1: The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Jurist Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home assisted living and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com.
2: All right. It is a Wednesday hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We are closer to Friday than we were uh, Monday. Uh, I will not be here tomorrow. We will do CPAC 2 uh, when uh, tomorrow comes up. We get to hear uh, countless interviews that we did at CPAC. You know, we'll have uh, Grover on and uh, Grover Northquist and others. Uh, the talk about taxes, guns, um, and a lot of other things here on the, uh, the Dave gun safety here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So we're looking at that. And I've got some of the other folks here. Uh, there's an abortion movie that's coming out. We'll have Ben Clapper on. Uh, we've got uh, da- Dan Gaynor on from Newsbusters. Gary Burns, who was a former Secret Service agent, will join with us as well. Uh, Another movie, a movie that's coming out that's going to be very interesting to see how it does. Mark uh, Seraldi, who has done the movie Chappaquiddick, will be on with us as well. Michelle Assad of the CIA. Scott uh, Husing, uh, the writer and major uh, from the Marines who wrote the book Echo and Ramadi. We'll talk to him. And then uh, Sheriff David Clark. Everybody knows who Sheriff Clark is. He, had, he gave us a great interview, and we'll play that for you. That's just a few of the different interviews uh, that you're going to hear. Uh, Kerry Murphy is supposed to be here. He's probably on his way. It's uh, wet out. It is, uh, you know, you got to just slow down and drive uh, carefully while you're out there uh, and be sure that uh, nothing happens to you. So all of that's going to be happening uh, tomorrow uh, is all of this uh, some of those interviews that I just talked about, and and we're going to be able to do a CPAC part three along the way as well. So we'll have more interviews, uh, in different hours, uh, during the course of next week. So you can hear all the different, uh, interviews that we did. Uh, and, and we've got, uh, I'm, I'm going to play that, uh, John Bolton interview again about China and North Korea. I think that's worth a, a, a second, uh, secondary as, uh, play as well. On top of that, uh, coming up on Friday, I'll be doing my show live, and I will be in Branson at Sight and Sound. You know they got a new pro- uh, production coming up, uh, coming up called uh, Samson, and we're going to do the show from there. And we're going to talk to a lot of the people behind from behind the scenes. We're going to talk with Samson. We're going to talk to a lot of different people. And give you an opportunity uh, to get a real feel for uh, what that show is going to be like, and uh, talk to them also about uh, getting some, uh, picking up some uh, uh, free tickets that we might be able to get away, uh, give away as as well. But today we've got uh, Kerry Murphy who's supposed to be on his way to talk about the gun show that's happening this weekend. Next hour, Jan Morgan will join us to talk to us here on the uh, uh, Dave Ellswick Show uh, about her campaign run uh, for the primary to be picked by Republican voters to be the Republican candidate uh, in the November election for governor. We'll hear what she has to say. Joe and Duck will be here at uh, uh, 4 o'clock and at 5 o'clock, John Brown University will be around uh, their therapy, uh, folks are going to stop by. We're going to talk about, uh, uh, sexual addiction. So we got that, uh, planned for you, uh, as well. Let's go ahead and we'll get a, a, a inter- uh, interview, I'll get a break in right off the bat here and then come back and hopefully Carrie Murphy will join us here on the Dave Ellswick show. Back with you, Dave Ellswick show coming up in the next hour is going to be an interview I did earlier today uh, with Jan Morgan. She couldn't be here live on the air today. Uh, She had a lot of other things to do this afternoon, so we worked out a time that we could sit down here in the studio and record an hour interview with her. And let me just tell you, you don't want to miss this uh, interview. You just don't want to miss it. Really good material Uh, in that interview. And I I thought that uh, candidate uh, Jan Morgan did a great job of representing herself and what she believes. And you'll want to hear what she had to say. Uh, We heard from Kerry Murphy. He's running behind. He'll join us in the next half hour. And uh, we'll talk to him about uh, guns. You know, they're talking about guns right now over in uh, Washington, D.C. and gun safety at schools and and all the rest, so uh, there's a big meeting at the White House going on as we speak. In fact, do we have an opportunity to pick up some of that from uh washington d c Is it possible is it is it on their uh, uh site if it is, we'll pick a little bit of that up and let you hear about it before we do that though, let me tell you about Horton's orthotics and prosthetics been talking about them for years because they are if, as far as my opinion goes, and I think yours as well, if you, if you ever use them about all of the great things that they are doing, uh, with their, their, uh, their patients, they want you to reach the heights you want to go to. If you need an orthotic or a prosthetic, they want to be able to help you reach the pinnacle of what you want to do. They also have a special session uh, a section, uh, if their business, uh, that works with women. And, uh, if you have had to, uh, have a breast or both breasts removed because of, uh, breast cancer, look no further than the folks over at Horton's, uh, orthotics and prosthetics to help you out their phone number 501-223-2908. Or uh, you can drop by and visit them at 5220 West 12th Street in Little Rock. They do have satellite offices. I know they just opened a new facility in Conway. This will give you the opportunity uh, to meet them in the area or closer to your area that you live. And, you know, uh, instead of having to come uh, to Little Rock specifically. But here in Little Rock, main uh, location, 5220 West 12th Street. And their phone number, 501-663-2908. Were we able to get Fox up? We have. Okay, let's take a little bit of this live so you can hear what's going on at the White House.
3: We remodeled a lot of schools and built a lot of schools. Not one architect ever told me, say, Governor Manchin, you've got to make sure you have the uh, first uh, four first witnesses all bulletproof. We never knew that. No one ever came to me with that concern. And that's helped with Sandy Hook shies way in. So we made sure that we addressed all that. Mr. President, the difference is there's not a person in West Virginia that believes that you're not going to defend their Second Amendment rights, not a person. With you taking a lead on something like this, it gives them the comfort that something reasonable, and this bill's been vetted for over five years. And over 70, 80% even of gun owners say, we like your bill, Pat and Joe. We're just afraid that President Obama would take it further and take more rights away. That's what I was running into in West or Virginia. Or use
4: that as an excuse not to sign it. Well, this
3: is because he was
4: not proactive in getting a bill signed, yes. in all fairness. Well,
3: in all fairness, this is a bill that basically, with your support, it would pass. It would pass. Mm-hmm. And uh, we think it ba- basically it takes commercial sales. Any commercial and trans maybe
4: to that bill, if we use that as a base, <laughs> you could add some of the things that are going to be said in the room. Or you may not want to, but... There are going to you know, be things Supreme that are going to be, be said today that I think will be, you know, in addition to yours, Jim, which you can add almost everything because you know what that right. involves. I think it would be a very positive thing in terms of background checks.
3: I just say this, Mr. President. This, on this piece of legislation here, with, without background checks on commercial transactions, so if a person basically, uh, when the, when the uh, terrorists basically say, hey, go down to the local gun show and get whatever you want, because you can be in a gun show, two-thirds of the gun show can have licensed dealers, fer- uh, federal licensed dealers that have to have background checks if you buy it from them. Go to the next table over, there was not one, it's a loophole. Interstate and intrastate, if you're selling outside the state on the internet, you have to have a background yeah. check. Yeah. If it's sell in state, uh, one part of New York versus the other, it doesn't have to. This closes all those loopholes. This is a piece of legislation. you well, we have to do
4: something about the mentally ill not being able to buy a gun. I mean, they have so many checks and balances that you could be mentally ill and it takes you six months before you can prohibit it. So we have to do something <clears throat> very decisive. Number one, you can take the guns away immediately from people that you can adjudge easily are mentally ill, like this guy. You know, the, the police saw that he was a problem. They didn't take any guns away. Now, that could have been policing. I think they should have taken them away anyway, whether they had the right or not. But I'll tell you this, you have to have very strong provisions for the mentally ill. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, I shouldn't be saying that. I'll tell you what, I don't want mentally ill people to be having guns.
5: Marco? Mr. President, thanks for bringing us here, because I think we all agree. We all know what the issues are that are fought over on this issue, but I think what everyone agrees on is we never want to see this happen again, anywhere in America. And you mentioned something about the shooting that I think is critical. This was a multi-systemic failure, and Without pointing fingers or laying blame on anyone in particular that may or may not be here to defend themselves, the sheriff's office knew this was a problem, the school districts knew this was a problem, the FBI had been alerted to a problem, the Department of Children and Families in Florida knew that this was a problem. But the big problem is none of them talked to each other. Nobody told the others what they knew. And there is a bill out there that Senator Hatch is going to file very soon, and and Congressman Rutherford and others here have already filed, and it's called the Stop School Violence Act, and I'll let them describe it more in detail. But one of the things that it does is it incentivizes the creation of this sort of synergy where all these people are talking to each other so they can compare notes and get ahead of this. The best way to prevent these is to stop it before it even starts. That doesn't mean we shouldn't harden schools. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have a debate on some other issues. But the best thing that could happen is know who these people are and get on them and get them the services they need and deny them the right to buy any gun. Um, uh, And and I think that is something that holds tremendous bipartisan promise if if we can come together on the things we agree on. And I would say one last point. In the state of Florida, they have a very different (coughs) process than we do. But they are already moving on legislation, the governor and the legislature. They're going to pass something, perhaps by the end of this week, on a series of things. Now, we move a lot slower over here. But nonetheless, I think that's an example to us of what I hope we can do in Washington. Get done what we can agree on. We can still debate and try to act on some of the other things. But there are things we agree on. We owe it to these families to do those things. I agree, Mark.
4: Chuck, would you have anything? I uh,
6: would like to comment from this standpoint. First of all, a caution on mental health. Because there's a lot of people that have mental health issues that are, are not dangerous to themselves or to others. So I think we've got to concentrate on those not just that have mental health issues, but the ones that show danger to themselves or others. Because otherwise it's not fair to other people that have mental illness that isn't. Uh, I'll, I'll comment on the culture within the schools, but I can't say it any better than Senator Rubio says, or Senator Hatch would say it. But it seems to me we have to have a culture in our schools where people are attuned to uh, people that have problems that could create this uh... sort of things or anything else that uh, that is even connected with bullying as just one example we have to uh, do things at the federal level that will give schools the resources to do that so that kind of fits in with what senator hatch is thinking then uh, i'll I'll end with more of a process as chairman of the committee that will deal with a lot of this legislation We've got to do something. I want to help facilitate Good. those things and move them along and, uh, and uh, see what we can do to get
4: a consensus. You're going to be a great help. Thanks, Joe. I'd just like to ask uh, Joe and Pat, yeah. in your bill, what are you doing about the 18 to 21? We need to don't change that. Okay. Are you going to leave that?
3: That's very, whatever so you want have to do. a case right now where
4: somebody can buy a handgun at 21. Right. Now, this is not a popular thing to say in terms of the NRA, but I'm saying it anyway. I'm going to just have to say it. But you can't buy, I mean, think of it. You can buy a handgun. You can't buy one. That you have to wait till you're 21. But you can buy the kind of weapon used in the school shooting at 18. I think it's something you have to think about. Yeah, we just right. So... I'll tell you what, I'm going to give it a lot of consideration, and I'm the one bringing it up. And a lot of people don't even want to bring it up because they're afraid to bring it up. But you can't buy a handgun at 18, 19, or 20. You have to wait till you're 21, but you can buy the the gun, the weapon used in this horrible shooting at 18. Uh, You are going to decide. The people in this room pretty much are going to decide. But I would give very serious thought to it. I, I can say that the NRA is opposed to it. And I'm a fan of the NRA. I mean, there's no bigger fan. I, I'm a big fan of the NRA. They want to do it. These are great people. These are great patriots. They love our country. But that doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. It doesn't make sense that I have to wait till I'm 21 to get a handgun, but I can get this weapon at 18. I don't know. So i was just curious as to what you did in your bill. Yeah, we, you don't we didn't, it? we didn't address it as president. I think you no know you're afraid of the NRA, right? No, not an issue. No, the NRA did five years
1: ago. Yeah. This, it never came it's, it's a
4: big long. issue right now, and a lot of people are talking about it. But a lot of people a lot of people are afraid of that issue, raising the age for that weapon to 21. I suggest, my
1: reservation about it, frankly, is that the vast majority of 18-, 19-, and 20-year-olds in Pennsylvania who have a, a rifle or a shotgun, they're not a threat to anyone. They're law-abiding citizens. They have that because they want to use it for hunting or target shooting, And to deny them their Second Amendment right is not going to make anyone safer. So that's my reservation about changing the age.
4: I know where you're coming from. And I understand that. I mean, no, I understand it. I think it's I think it's it's a position. It's a position. But I think if we're going to use you as a base, the two of you, I think you're gonna have to iron out that problem. Because I'm I'm asked that question more than almost any other question. Are you are you going to twenty-one or not? Okay. Um Anybody? Yes. Mr. President,
7: um, I I sit around this table, like many, as as a father of four, uh, as an uncle. Uh, I was with uh, Councilman S.T. when She won her election. We were campaigning at the same time, and Newtown happened Mm -hmm. while she was campaigning. Uh, The first four words you said today, Mr. President, struck with me, says, we need to act.
4: Right.
7: True. But the only worse thing than doing nothing is doing something that doesn't achieve the intended result. You were in business your entire life. I was in business for 28 years. Business is not about activities and doing things. It's about a result. The act of shooting kids is cowardly. Moms and dads want to know that when they drop off their kids, they are safe. This morning I came in early, I bypassed the gym, gave me an excuse perhaps to bypass the gym and go in and spend some time thinking when nobody else is in the office at 7 a.m. And I just put together a sheet of the 14 mass killings and Congress defined mass killings following the Newtown incident. That means if there are three or more people that lost their lives in an incident, it's considered a mass killing. Since Columbine, we've had 14 of these in our country. And my staff put together a nice spreadsheet, but I was handwriting this this morning, looking at where did it happen, what year, how many died, what was the age of the shooter.
2: All right, we're going to move away from this now. Kerry Murphy will be with us after the break. We've got Todd Starnes coming up, and we will join him uh, live for his uh, daily commentary. But that's just to give you a little bit of a taste of what's going on at the White House right now, the conversation uh, that they have dealing, uh, with guns, uh, because, uh, I thought that the gentleman that was speaking there, uh, just at the end, uh, from Montana, Steve Danes, uh, hit it right when he says, you know, we, we want to make sure we get something that works. We don't want to be doing something just because we're going to knee jerk and just do something. All right, back with you and Kerry uh, Murphy with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we continue here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show and Kerry uh, Murphy's on his way up and uh, we'll talk to him in just a moment. There's a gun show coming up uh, this weekend. Don't forget about David Lucas and what he's got going on right now. He's got another one of his social security uh, training programs or educational uh, meetings going on uh, on the 29th and 30th of March. Uh, this is your opportunity to go and make sure that you understand what you need to do uh, in claiming your social security benefits because it can be complicated. It can be confusing. Uh, it has gotten worse because government keeps changing the uh, the rules. And it can cost you tens of thousands of dollars in lost uh, lifetime benefits, increased taxes, and higher Medicare premiums. And David Lucas, host of the David Lucas Show here on News Radio ninety six five FM, The Answer, hosted seventeen of these educational Social Security workshops last year. Every one of them sold out because of his expertise. And I've talked to a lot of the people who went. And they said they walked away knowing so much more about Social Security that they really didn't have much knowledge about this at all. So if you want to go, you want to attend this these, uh, one of these workshops on the 29th to 30th of uh, March, all you have to do is remember the registration is 18 bucks. It includes a 34-page maximizing Social Security workbook. And it's going to help you not to get cheated out of your money. Uh, call 501 653 6690. That's 501 653 6690. Or you can visit uh, the website, davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, Kerry Murphy is here. And uh, Kerry, just a moment ago, we were airing some of the uh, coverage offered to us from Fox News of the meeting going on at the White House right now about guns. and And I will tell you, there's a whole lot of cooler heads now uh that are talking i i do believe as i listen though that what we're going to see is that in the united states of america you will not be able to buy any kind of firearm until you're 21 years old yeah i heard the
8: president say that and uh, uh you know you got to think the military. You know, you can go in and fight for your country and die at 18. Yeah. And so are you going to allow them guys when they come back home to be able to buy? I think
2: that should be a caveat in the bill if they're going to set up any kind of an age.
8: Next question I have is um, are you going to allow them to anybody under 18 to shoot a gun? So if your dad has it in his safe and he gives it to you and you're on the deer stand or you're out in the woods – Uh, are you allowed to have it without supervision
2: i think it was only uh the ar-15 that they're
8: talking about well handguns is 21 shotguns and rifles are 18 Mm -hmm. and i know that when i was you know 10 i was hunting with the 410 and then you know it kept growing you get bigger and bigger but uh, people at 16 are hunting with 30 out 6s and and shotguns and, uh, and automatic semi automatic right rifle. and so uh this is still just a rifle that you pull one trigger and one round goes down range so and th- but they call it assault rifle and all these other names that the AR doesn't even stand for and then when they get that and they say 21 for shotguns and that how, how you know you can't drink till you're 21 and if you have a drink you're illegal so how is that going to pertain if you see somebody under 21 that has a rifle or a shotgun? Are, are they going to be arrested or what? I mean, I, I just don't. The devil's in the details. You're exactly right, Kerry. And then I've had people call it assault. Well, that's assault weapon. It needs to be banned. Well, if you if you call that an assault weapon, then what's that shotgun that holds 17 rounds of KSG that I have? Yep. What's that going to be called? That's going to be called an assault rifle or a shot assault shotgun so and then it's going to be anything 10 rounds you know the magazines it's a lot of talk and uh uh, people are worried about getting the you know uh they ban one thing they're not going to stop it's going to go to the next and the next and everything's going to be assault and i already had somebody i saw post today he he was like well handguns kill people and they've been shooting people and kill a lot of folks and they kill themselves we need to ban handguns too well that you, you see what I'm saying is it's just, sure, it's, it's just they have an agenda. It has, and that's they want all guns gone. In fact, more people are killed by using
2: a handgun that are used using a semi-automatic Gun, Virginia, rifle.
8: At college, he used hand killed what 31 people or something with two handguns.
2: Oh, you talking about in Virginia? Yeah, yeah.
8: So I don't, uh, you know, what I, I just don't ag- agree with the 21 on the shotgun and rifle. I know that if you're properly trained and you have, uh, you know, there's youth shooting sports, there's clubs, there's, you know, Boy Scouts, whatever. I mean, they're actually teaching you, to, you know, gun education. There you take courses. It's the value of life and uh, mental health. And then we talked about this before and they did talk about it. I heard him talking about mental health and helping folks, but at the same time, it's not PTSD. It's not guys that come back from the war and you take all their stuff. It is or somebody
2: who's on just an antidepressant.
8: Yeah. It's got to be somebody who's showing violence or uh, killing animals, doing violence to themselves or somebody that's going, they need a psychiatrist or some, you know, some help. And if you determine that they're there, then I'm okay with that. Uh,
2: all right, just to let you know, you were talking about Virginia Tech University. Mm-hmm. He killed 47 people. And the, pol- the police response time was three minutes, and he killed 47
8: students. Well, I, I didn't realize. I, I thought it was last, but it's still, it, that handguns can do the damage. I and shotguns. all here, buddy. Shotguns can do the damage. <laughs> I mean, any... any A knife can do the damage. A car on the sidewalk can do the damage. Yeah, we've seen that now, haven't we? Yeah, that's the, you know, look, your pressure cooker your mom, you know, stored peas in, people do that with bombs. I mean, you know, it's, if you have evil in your heart and you want to do somebody harm, you will find a way. I agree wholeheartedly. And you can't take, in my opinion, you know, got out of schools got off the praying before a football game and just say no 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 and then expect evil not to thrive a little more
2: well it's like drive god out of the school system completely and then when somebody starts ask the question where was god well you threw him out man
8: yeah that's it can't even have a 10 commandments on the wall or something yeah, you know
2: i can't do any of that
8: but it's Uh, You know, we talked about it's a culture that's a desensitized uh, violence and uh, glorified of uh, me, 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 show me on, uh, you know, all the uh, beef. I want to be famous on uh, selfies and pictures and Facebook. I mean, it's just a combination of a lot of it. But the mental health is these shooters. And I've seen studies where the shooters for high schools uh, is the majority. They're males with a uh, no father figure. Mm hmm. So that, you know, what is, you know, was it the discipline or was it just, uh, you know, safety issue? I mean, there's something there when they're all in that category besides, you know, part of the mental issue. So I I just don't think the age um, going to 21, and like I said, prohibition and all that happened. Everything became illegal, but everybody still had bootleggers and they were still selling. So what happens if you do raise it to 21? Are they allowed to carry it and hunt with it? All right, Kerry Murphy's with
2: me to the top of the hour. And then coming up in the next hour, an hour interview with Jan Morgan. That's coming your way. And I think probably uh, the most uh, complete interview that's been done with the media, she did with me. And we've got it all put together and ready to play it for you when we come back from the Fox Newscast at the top of the hour. But right now we'll take a break, come back, talk to Carrie. And we've got uh, a gun show Going on at the Benton Event Center uh this weekend. No. Yes, this weekend, and we'll talk about it when we return. Okay, we're back with you here on the Dave Ellsworth Show. Kerry Murphy is here. Saline County Gun and Knife Show happening this uh Saturday and Sunday at the Benton Event Center off of I-30 in Benton. Door prizes. You can rent win a rifle uh Saturday, nine to five, Sunday, nine to four, buy, sell, trade. The $10 admission, age 11 to 15, 5, age 10 and under free, and it is good for both days. And we got some tickets to give away before Kerry gets out of here at the top of the hour. Uh, special things going on? Are, are you going to have, like
8: the cartridge uh, show, you guys had some static
2: displays. Are they going to be
8: there too? Uh Not so much on this one. Uh, It is, uh, you know, we sell out the show every time, and there are so many people coming to uh, pack this in. When I say sell out, I mean vendor wise. Uh, Right? If I could, uh, if I'd have had a bathroom stall open, I could have sold it. And uh, it is packed. And and out front, we're going to have boats, uh, hunt stuff. We'll have some trucks. We have the food, but uh, they'll have people that will have military um, collections and some things on there, but they're selling them. This one's selling, okay, and that's what sets that's what's different about the Cartridge and Club show. You know, we do a lot of the more of historical and some museum type stuff like that, and uh, we just keep that show separate. That's what they do. Yeah, I hadn't
2: talked to you. How was the turnout for it?
8: That was uh, really great. Twenty six hundred came through. Wow! And let me tell you, um, Benton is always the best show. Okay. I mean as far as attendance and it is packed. We have over around 300 tables. It's uh carpeted, you know, it's just nice inside. You can eat. Uh it's a it's a great venue, but uh there's some people that I know that normally they have 3,000 in Florida come through. They had 7,000 come through last weekend. So, I'm expecting the biggest crowd we've ever had. I added extra security and and to help with parking, even, um, but it's uh, we expect a, a massive turnout, and we're going to have door prizes. I'm giving away two guns this time. No, oh, okay. I'm giving away a, uh, a Henry Golden Boy 22 lever action there you go. on Saturday, and then Sunday we're going to give away a hunting rifle. I think it's going to be a 6.5 Creedmoor, and um, and good. we're going to give away knives, concealed carry classes, ammo. We just and, and the more that come in, the more we're going to give away.
2: All right, let's talk to John. He's in Bryant. Uh, hello, John. How are you?
9: Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I want to say I appreciate y'all putting this on the topic for today because I guess there's not much else to talk about right now at the moment either. But um, I just wanted to say that, you know, you talk about mental illness and then some of these kids that uh, that are doing some of these school shootings. I mean, how many of them have really been uh, kids that have been excelling in school? I mean, are these, are these kids that are, you know, are struggling at home, they're struggling at school, Yep. you know, are they not getting the help that they need from their parents? Yes. Because I'm I'm thinking that, you know, somehow or another, if we could somehow devise a system where parents, if they want want to think their kid or if this kid needs to have, you know, a gun at, after the age 18 or at 18 or something, you know, somehow tie it in to, to education. Somehow tied into where you know if they want a special right to be able to have a weapon between the ages of 18 and 20, then they need to you know they need to show that the, you know that they've they've at least had some kind of education, not just with with rifles, but also on the mentality side. You know, have they excelled? At, you know, have they done well in school? Have they you know? Because uh, usually the ones that have done well in school, you know, they're more intelligent. They they have to, they have better reasoning processes. You know, um, instilled into them and everything. What do y'all think about that?
2: Okay, we'll talk about that. I'm going to let you listen in. What do you think? Of, what, well, what do you think?
8: You got to have a C average
2: in in your classes.
8: Um, i you know, a C average is fine, but I don't, I don't think you can tie that in. I know people that have dropped out of school, but then went and got their GED or went to the Youth Challenge Program and got theirs, and they're per, you know capable, but for whatever reason. Uh, whether it was, uh, you know, the parents are home or just didn't study well or, or, um, you know, got into trouble, got kicked out of school, expelled or something, but then they turned their life around and, uh, and they went or where they got sent to youth child or someplace like that. And, and, uh, but they got their GED. So, I you know, everybody learns at a different level. Uh, I think that you, I just don't want it to be where somebody, Hey, I made a D in a class and I can't go, you know, hunting with my dad. And, uh, I think it, you know, the parents, look, I, I, was I making A's and B's at age 10? Probably not. I had more things in my mind, you know, baseball (laughs) playing. So I don't, you know, your age and your parents and supervision, um, it's growing up, spending the time with your kids and teaching them. And I know that, you know, maybe that's the deal is there's a lot of single parents out there and maybe we need more of, um men like myself and veterans to step up and take the kid hunting and 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 get permission you know and take them to the range and and teach them the safety and the to respect other life and uh, maybe that's uh, where i could improve myself too i mean i try to help youth all the time at the gun show i hire teenagers to help me from schools from wherever i go or youth homes i help uh mm-hmm. the youth and and they help me load, and unload, and, and uh, I teach them how to work and earn a dollar and be respectful of the the rifle and, and help folks. And uh, so, uh, you know, I could step up a little bit on that, I think, too.
2: So let me just ask you, uh, Kerry, because you, you served in the military. You were in combat zones. I mean, what would you do? I'm going to make Kerry president of the United States, all right? We're just pretending here. Okay. Okay, just want to make sure you <laughs> understand it. Uh, you, what would you do, uh, as, say, as president, to combat this problem?
8: I'd immediately make some kind of uh, find a way to get more resource officers into schools that are trained. I would do uh, where they your local police department has uh, active shooter training. They do it when school session's out during the summer and all and get the teachers or the coaches or whoever's going to be your security uh, doing active shooter training. I would do stops for the doors so people couldn't get in, have extra stuff. Uh, There's dry erase boards that are bulletproof that some of the schools use now. I give that to teachers so they can protect you and put on. Uh, I have plastic. uh, It looks like a plastic cutting board, but it actually will stop. It's bulletproof. I put it in my daughter's backpack when she was going to school and college. You don't notice it. It's lightweight. It goes through the airport everywhere. I carry it everywhere. So you could use that backpack as defense. Um, I think we need to train the uh, if a if a teacher wants to be trained, then I think they should be able to have it. Whether it's a biometric, only their hand can open that uh, lock. To have handguns, that's so their option to defend themselves in the Second Amendment. But I do think that there's some school districts out there that doesn't have the money to pay for a resource officer, like at Bryant and Benton. We share costs with the school district. And I think that the state can somehow look at maybe, um, you know, putting some of the money toward to help harden the school. Uh, You need to have uh, each school access points checked. I know in Little Rock they have guards that sit at doors, but these smaller schools don't. And so there's a lot of security. Uh, Consulting work can go, making the school harden, giving the teacher the right if they want to train to become, uh, do active shooter training with more teachers um mental health aspect i would make it to where anybody under the age of 18 if a parent whether you're married or single and you have issues with your child he's being unruly or she is and you can't control them that you have a free uh consultation with a um uh health professional you know to to give an evaluation to see you know are they a danger to themselves and 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 if they, they need more than one visit then they take them back again if they and and that the state helps pay for that. If we can help the kids before they turn 18, that's when you got to get them when they're young. You can't wait till after 18 and then fix them.
2: All right. The Saline County Gun and Knife Show is this weekend at the Benton Event Center. Uh, that's on I-30 uh, in Benton, right off of i thirty seventeen 322. They're going to have door prices. They've got a couple of rifles that are going to be given away. It's going to happen uh, Saturday and Sunday, Saturday from 9 to 5, Sunday from 9 to 4. Buy, sell, or trade. Ten dollars admission. Ages eleven to 15, 5, Age ten and under free. And it's good
8: for both days.
2: So you got some free tickets. How many tickets you got there?
8: I got uh, three. Uh, that's uh, good for two people each. So for six people. All right, six people.
2: So we got three tic- tickets there, Russ. So eight two three zero oh, nine six five. One ticket gets two people in. So, the first three callers at 8230965, you get them. Kerry, thanks for coming in. Jan Morgan is next. Thank you, Dave.
1: Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Steven, and my law firm, the Juris Law Group, specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year. And we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at J U R I S T Lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-482-50 or Google me, Kimbro Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. Special guest
2: this hour on the Dave Ellswick Show. Jan Morgan is here. She is primary uh, going against uh, Asa Hutchinson, the governor of Arkansas. Uh, I've asked this question before. We had her on just after she announced uh, at the end of the year that she was going to do this. But I'll have you t- tell everybody again, why now? Why the governorship?
10: Because we can't do four more years of what we just have experienced as a state. You know, I, I was asked this question the other night, too, because uh, people say, well, we already have a Republican. We have a Republican governor. Why would you be running? And that's, that's because Asa and I are two very different people. There's, we are, there's nothing that remotely, uh, remotely re- resembling uh, the two of us. We are c- counter opposites, polar opposites. Asa is an establishment progressive. I'm a constitutional conservative. Those are two very ty- very different types of leaders. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, you know, if, if he was even remotely conservative, I wouldn't be in this race. So what I've done is try to spend my time on the campaign trail, listening to the people and explaining to them the difference, explaining to them his record, which has been carefully hidden uh, so that they can understand why we need change. We cannot continue the route that we're going.
2: So how, how are you, uh, as you reach out to the voters out there, how are you being received?
10: Very well. Once we explain his record, which is there for everyone to see if they'll just look for it, what I'm trying to tell people is don't listen to ASIN campaign mode. Look at what he's actually done, because what he's saying right now is an astonishing misrepresentation Of who he has been as a governor. We have, as a Republican, we should have seen significant uh, increases in, uh, well, actually decreases in taxes. We should have seen decreases in regulatory burdens. We should have seen uh, decrease in government spending. And that just hasn't happened. In fact, the opposite has happened. And if he had made significant strides in any of those areas, which is what a Republican governor should do, then I wouldn't be in this race. If he had made significant strides in those areas with a Republican trifecta, but see he's had he has no excuse. When you've got a Republican controlled house, a Republican controlled Senate and a Republican in the governor's seat, what is your excuse for not legislating and leading like a Republican? He just hasn't done it.
2: All right, so I was I was there during the general session. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw me there. You know that I was there watching everything that was going on. Right. Was it then that you looked at what the governor was doing and you said somebody's got to make a change here?
10: <laughs> I knew that change needed to happen. That's why I was there fighting right. for st- standard Republican Party issues. Um, and we had Republicans voting like Democrats. But you know what happened is when I delivered that blistering admonishment to misbehaving Republicans in House Judiciary, uh-huh. that I did not know that Arkansas Times was videoing it. But that video went viral. And it was that video that thousands upon thousands of Arkansans around this state said that was the alarm clock. That opened their eyes to the fact that things weren't right in their state government. And then when people started paying attention, then you saw on social media, Jan Morgan for governor, Jan Morgan for governor. I had never entertained the idea of running for political office. I've always fought as a citizen activist. And Dave, something a lot of people don't know about me, I spent all of my adult life, all of my adult life, as an investigative television journalist. And what was I investigating? Waste, fraud, and abuse in our government. So... This is right in line with what I know and what I've done. And in spite of the fact that uh, some of the liberal press wants to just continuously label me as the gun range owner, uh, there is much more to Jan Morgan than that. I have been involved in exposing government all of my adult life. Now I just want to not only expose it, I want to fix it.
2: Okay, so they they look at you as the the gun owner.
10: The gun range owner. I mean, yeah, I think the, the Arkansas Times. Let's see, is it? no, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette calls me the gun goddess. Which, I mean, really? Yes, John Brummett. That's his favorite thing. That's Just his continuously favorite call thing. me the gun goddess. Right. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, he's a liberal columnist. We can expect that kind of stuff from him, I guess. But the bottom line is, is that I would say that most people know you as the woman who has stood up mm-hmm. for the Second Amendment here in the state
10: but it for yes on the second amendment but there's i am not a single issue candidate and what people have seen on the campaign trail is actually as a constitutional conservative i'm concerned about all the issues that the people are complaining about you know when i've traveled the state i've heard business owners tell me we are suffocating under regulatory burdens what has this governor done on deregulation not enough not near enough i hear uh, Citizens saying, look, we are being taxed into poverty. We are among the poorest by income in America, our state, our citizens. And yet our citizens are also among the most heavily taxed. We should have made significant strides with a Republican trifecta on taking some of that tax burden off the backs of the people. We have not. And that is not acceptable with Republican leadership. That's another reason I am in this race.
2: All right, so I want to talk about all those topics. All right, okay, and I've got guns down, but it's not at the top of the list. <laughs> okay, the number one thing I want to talk to you about is uh, taxes. and you just kind of uh, let us into that. We've got this uh, faux tax force that's meeting. They haven't given us any kind of information yet about what they're thinking, other than they said we got to close tax loopholes, which seems to me a way of telling um, the citizens of this state, that they're going to raise taxes right. because if you close the, the loopholes they're talking about, they're going to raise taxes on business, which will in essence raise taxes on the citizens of the state. Mm-hmm. When you talk about taxes, what do you tell the the citizens of the state?
10: I tell people to not fall for the shell game because that is what we've been delivered. You know, Governor Hutchinson talks about he's cut taxes by millions since he's been in office, but what he doesn't tell people is, yes, he's cut over here, but then he's redistributed that tax to the other side of the pie, and he's actually raised taxes by $5.9 million within half the fiscal year. So you look at that and say, okay, yes, you did cut the military retirement tax, and that's wonderful. I'm all for helping our veterans. If you had just cut that and then tossed that part of the pie out, but then when you turn around and redistribute it on the other side... And then you add to that. That's not actually cutting the tax burden. It's a piece of it is a pie. It's not getting smaller. It's getting larger. And I've tried to help the citizens understand that and expose the truth in that. So and as far as the tax force, you know, what what is a tax task force? That's what and and consultants. That's what people do. Legislators do when they don't have the guts to do what they know they need to do. And they already have the information they need. Uh, It's a waste of of taxpayers' money, number one. Number two, yes, it's a creative way to come out with carefully crafted language and explain to the people another shell game, yet another shell game, where they're going to look like we're lowering taxes, but we're raising taxes.
2: Well, I, being a veteran myself, I was absolutely against the way they wanted to do the retirees' Mm -hmm. uh, tax uh, cut, because... As a, a vet, I don't want somebody else's pocket to get fleeced so I can put a few more dollars in my own. I've right. gotten some very heated exchanges bet with, you did. <laughs> with fellow military brethren, but that's not the way it should have been done. You mm-hmm. find programs you can cut to find the money that you need.
10: And in addition, one of the the side effects of that legislation was a candy tax, yeah. And and I've talked to business owners in the state. I talked to a, a guy that owns a couple of uh, – he owns a convenience store chain in Arkansas and one in Louisiana. And he said, I, I'm probably going to cut – I'm probably going to just – close my business, my businesses in in Arkansas. And he said, because, and he laid it out for the people on my social media page. We did a Facebook live with him. And he said, look, I have to go down my candy aisle now and turn over every single individual package of candy and look at the ingredients, every type. And if it has this, this, and this in it, it has to be taxed at one rate. But yet if it has these ingredients in it, it has to be taxed at another. And he said, so that is a nightmare in itself. But then what do you do about packages that have multiple types of candies in it? that have different taxing but he said it's it is a i can't do it and he said my my accountant says this is going to cost you more money and he said i'm just tired that's a that's a regulatory burden that we're talking about that should never have happened
2: well bottom line is when you go in and you lower taxes one spot raise taxes in another spot you've not cut taxes
10: no you haven't You've played a shell game, and you're, you're, you're believing that the people of this state are foolish enough to fall for it. I'm hoping they aren't. I'm believing they aren't.
2: Okay, so let's move on.
10: And we now have a cradle-to-grave tire tax, too, by the way, which, oh, yes. which is going to really affect us now that we have so many potholes in this state because we're not fixing our roads. Actually, our potholes have become sinkholes in places, literally dangerous. If you're on a motorcycle, for sure, but if you're in a car, you're going uh, to knock your car out of alignment. So. Yeah,
2: that, that happened to me a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Not only knocked it out of alignment, but when you have the rims that they sell you now with your car, it bends your rims. Now you're talking $300 a pop mm-hmm. that you've got to replace plus the tire. And does the uh, state government pay you any of that money back? Absolutely no. not. No. Absolutely not. So they take your money. They tell you they're going to use it to fix the potholes. They don't fix the potholes. And then you've got to replace the tire. You've got to replace a rim. So you're double taxed as far as I'm concerned.
10: Exactly. And the people see that. So, you know, that that the tax issue is a major concern of people of the state. They're looking for some tax relief. Mm-hmm. We haven't delivered. And I don't expect, after having a full term, that the governor is going to do anything differently if he is reelected. He's talking a good game right now. He's talking awfully conservative. And that's what people are telling me. Man, you've really pushed him to the conservative corner. But he's talking good talk because he's in campaign mode. And I can't believe that he's going to change the way he leads Simply because he had a primary opponent and the people are showing an interest in that opponent and what she's having to say. And the reason they're interested, Dave, is because I have been around this state. This is not Jan Morgan's agenda. This is the people's agenda that I am bringing to the table. People are tired of being taxed into poverty. Businesses are tired of being regulated out of business. And another issue that is very important to the people that the governor and I differ dramatically on is immigration. Mm-hmm. Immigration is a national issue, but it was a major issue in this state. This state went overwhelmingly for Donald Trump. And what was Donald Trump's, what was the foundation of his his uh, his platform? You know, it was immigration. It was building a wall. <laughs> and, of course, Mexico is going to pay for it. But the people want the safety and security that comes from a, 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 a legal immigration system. The governor in this state, you know, I support legal immigration. Dave, legal immigration. Mm-hmm. We have a legal pathway for people to become citizens here. We have a legal pathway for people to come here and work. But when our legislator, one of our legislators, tried to pass a bill that would prohibit sanctuary cities in the state, it was, that was Stubblefield. Yeah, The governor nipped that in the bud. Now, why would you not want to take a stand against sanctuary cities in the state of Arkansas. And then we had another legislator try to prohibit sanctuary campuses mm-hmm. on our college campuses. In other words, we're not going to allow any Smith, state. Yes, it? it was. No state funds to support campuses who are harboring people who are here illegally. Governor nipped that in the bud. Stop that. Now, what was his reason? His reason was, well, we don't want those folks to feel uncomfortable on our college campuses. So, to me, as a citizen of this state, what that says to me is, That governor is more concerned about the comfort of people who are here in violation of our laws than he is about the safety and security of the law-abiding citizens of this state. I will be a governor who will stand for the rule of law. I will be a governor who will make sure that we do not have sanctuary cities or sanctuary campuses in our state.
2: All right, let's come back. We'll talk more about taxes. We'll talk more about uh, illegal immigration, which I've talked about for years here in Mm -hmm. Arkansas because I saw the writing on the wall when they open the council, it up uh, here in little rock. So we'll talk with that. Let's take a break right now. We'll come back. We'll continue our discussion with Jan Morgan. She's running uh, for your vote on the Republican primary to be able to run for governor here in the state of Arkansas. Our special guest, Jan Morgan, she is running in the uh, uh, primary, the Republican primary that's coming up here in may. Uh, she would like you to vote her in as, the nominee for the Republican Party for governor of the state. So she's taking on Asa Hutchinson, and I'm trying to give you a whole hour here with her so that you can hear what she thinks and what she believes. Uh, I, I think you read a lot of the stuff in the press and what the TV stations give you, and they give you little tiny sound bites, and it's not enough to make a, a legitimate decision uh, of this magnitude. So let, let me take you back quickly for taxes. We talked about what the governor's been up. What's Jan Morgan want to do? I mean, I know you want to cut them, but how do you how do you want to make that happen?
10: Well, we, we are trying to compete with states surrounding us that have no state income tax. That is killing us. Uh, I would love for us to eventually get to the point where we could eliminate the state income tax. Uh, citizens around the state have told me that's something they really want. Uh, So farmers do not, (laughs) and I Mm -hmm. understand why, but they're because they're concerned about the property tax, possible property tax increase, because that has happened in some other states. But I think there's a way around that, and we have got so much waste in our state government Uh, that we should be able to make significant strides. We can't do it on day one, Dave. We can't do it in year one. But you can work on gradually weaning the government off the backs of the people. It can be a gradual process, but it needs to be happening much faster than it's happened with our current leadership.
2: Okay. So we were talking about also illegal immigration before Mm -hmm. we went on our break. Uh, You had talked about how the governor has been soft on that issue. Mm -hmm. How about you? I mean, let's look. Little Rock now doesn't call themselves a sanctuary city, but every move they make screams sanctuary city. I mean, they want to have a Little Rock identification card, basically, for everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fayetteville is looking to be a sanctuary city. Uh, Eureka Springs is looking to be a sanctuary city. How do you stop that? Do you just tell the AG to pursue every legal means possible to put an end to it?
10: Well, you stop it by electing Jan Morgan for governor (laughs) because, look, you know, we've had well, it's just the truth. We've had legislators who have tried to be proactive on this. They've tried, because you know, as well as I do, the best way a great leader is proactive, not reactive. Once Mm -hmm. this sort of thing starts working its way into your state, it's very difficult to get it out. And uh, we've had two bills submitted. I think we talked before the last break. We had a legislator submit a bill to prohibit sanctuary cities. We had another legislator submit a bill to prohibit prohibit sanctuary campuses. Both of those were nipped in the bud by Asa Hutchinson. So the reason nobody is stepping up to stop this is because it is not the wish and desire of our current governor. They're not going to counter him. Leslie Rutledge is not going to do anything that is in conflict with him. And a perfect example of that is right now on our carry. You know, with the carry law, the gun rights mm-hmm. uh, of the people of the state, we are a constitutional carry state. My presence in this primary has forced the governor to actually come out and admit publicly that we are a constitutional carry state. But I don't know if you saw and, what he said about that. And
11: open carry.
10: Yeah, well, constitutional carry means you can open or conceal carry without mm-hmm. a license. Correct. That's what that that's the legal. That. Da- but here's what the governor said. And I quote him. I, I actually took a screenshot of this on his his Facebook page. This this statement alone by him should cost him the election. He said, Arkansas is a constitutional carry state, but that is not inconsistent with a licensing program to conceal carry. And you should still check with your area prosecutor because it's subject to interpretation. Now, that one post took our state back on gun rights, took us back 10, 15 years. I mean, we had better gun rights under Mike Beebe than we now have under Governor Asa Hutchinson. And yet he wants to to claim that he's this big Second Amendment advocate, but he's not because he doesn't even know what the definition is of constitutional carry. I suggested I followed up with that post and I suggested that someone on his high paid staff, please alert him and make him aware of the definition of constitutional carry. And in fact, we have requested from the attorney general an opinion where show us where Leslie Rutledge in the Arkansas law. That it clarifies. Where does it say you have to have a license to carry concealed? We've been waiting on that decision now, I believe, six weeks. She's not answered. You know why? Because there is no such law in the state of Arkansas that requires you. There's no statute that says you have to have a license to conceal carry. The reason she doesn't want to answer is because her answer will have to put her in conflict with what the governor has stated.
2: Well, would put the governor in conflict with the Constitution of the state of Arkansas. Mm -hmm.
10: Exactly. Article 2. Of the Arkansas Constitution. And then you, you go on down in, in in Article 2 and you look at Section 29 and it talks about how any, for, any effort to regulate or restrict is inviolate, which means you can't regulate a right because then it becomes a privilege. Right. Two very different things. Yeah,
2: yeah. There is a big difference mm-hmm. between... You can do it because we right. let you. Right. And you do it because the, the Constitution covers you. But
10: back to the sanctuary issue you asked, yeah. and we got off on the side of the deal. But back to that issue uh, the reason nobody is standing up and trying to do anything is because they already have, already had two legislators try to nip that in the bud and be proactive. The governor didn't want it. He strong arms our legislators, our Republicans, to, to perform in ways that are inconsistent with their constituency which is another reason I got crossways with the governor. It is another issue that I confronted Governor Hutchinson on. You know that I had a big oh, meeting with him. A, you had a yes. big
2: powwow had a during big the powwow last with the governor. Session.
10: Yes, he was at one end of the long table. I was on the other end, just outside of his office in a conference room. There were some witnesses. And one of the issues I asked him, one of the things I talked to him about, it was I said, Governor, every Republican that I have confronted in this session who has voted in a way that is inconsistent with the Republican Party platform, Every single one of them has told them the reason is because of pressure from you. Mm -hmm. So, sir, I am here to ask you to stop pressuring them to vote in a way that is inconsistent with the Republican Party platform. And his response was, I wish I had that kind of power.
2: All right. We will be back to continue our conversation with Jan Morgan on the Dave Ellswick Show. If you just joined us? We're talking to Jan Morgan. Jan is running for governor. She wants your vote during the primary so that she can be the Republican candidate for governor uh, when the election comes around in November. She is running against, of course, Asa Hutchinson, who is the governor right now. Uh, I want you to finish up your story that you were Mm -hmm. talking about before we went to break where you were meeting with the governor by the way didn't he meet with some anti gun group before he talked yes he to met you? with
10: moms demand action did cozy pictures with them in the middle of a uh, of a of a very serious time that uh, the citizens gun rights were being debated at our Capitol. So that was very disillusioning to, I think, gun owners around the state.
2: Yeah, A lot of people didn't like it. No,
10: they did not. But we we, I asked to meet with him. I finally got a meeting with him and um, I asked him uh, my meeting. One of the issues I brought up with him was Republicans who are voting inconsistent with Republican Party platform and inconsistent with, with what their constituency would want them to do. On standard Republican Party platform issues, the reason they're telling me that they're voting that way is because of pressure from you. And so I said, Governor, I'm here to ask you to please stop doing that. Let these these people are not here to represent your will. They're here to represent the will of the people who elected them. Mm -hmm. And his response was, well, I wish I had that kind of power. And I said, so are you calling them liars? All of them. Mm -hmm. And he just looked at me like. How dare you question me? And, you know, it's, that, that bully pulpit is the problem. That is the problem. You've got every single conservative legislator, our most conservative legislators in the state of Arkansas now have primary opponents strategically placed there by Asa and funded by his PACs. So what does that tell you? If, if these people who dare to stand up to him, they're going to have primary opposition. That, that is a very intimidating thing for legislators to try to, you know, when they're there to represent the people in the Republican platform that they agree to represent, and then when their Republican governor is pressuring them to vote otherwise, and then they have uh, primary opposition, I mean, it's frustrating. They're beating their heads against the wall. That's that's a, That has got to stop.
2: Well, I have said on the air that the uh, the governor in a general election,
10: mm-hmm.
2: when we're running against a Democrat, if he wants to get behind, which he should, the Republican and help them out monetarily, that's fine. But in a primary, absolutely not. Absolutely, I not. can talk about Donnie Copeland. I can talk right. about R.D. I can talk about a lot of people that I believe would have won if the governor had stayed The governor out. is not
10: only getting behind them financially, but he's actually making an appearance in the race uh, between Bob Bailey and Breanne Davis. Mm. Uh, he's actually going to show up and speak a big fundraiser for her. So, uh, yeah, I think that's inappropriate. And the, the governor needs to stay out of that race and let the people in that district decide
11: Yeah, I who, agree who their that.
10: representative should be. But anyway, you know, another example of his refusal, his refusal to listen to uh, the will of the people is when our state legislator, legislature voted to ban foreign law in our courtrooms in this state. They voted. Democrats and Republicans came together and said, we don't want any form of foreign law In the state of Arkansas, we support constitutional law. What did the governor do? He refused to sign it.
2: You're talking about Sharia
11: law.
10: Yeah, yes. This is when the National Security Policy Center, which is a very credible organization, suggested that all states passed legislation to prohibit Sharia law and any kind of foreign law in their courtrooms because it had become a problem. Dave, in 23 states, there were over 50 court cases where our judges allowed Sharia law to trump constitutional law mm-hmm. in cases involving Muslims, much to the detriment of women and children who were in those cases victims of that very barbaric law. We we live by constitutional law in America. Why is that a controversial issue? And yet, and our legislators came together together. They supported this legislation just to take a stand for constitutional law in our state. Governor refused to sign it. And his excuse was, well, I've been an attorney in this state for years and I've never seen Sharia in any of our courtrooms. Well, my response to that is, do you get a flu shot before you get the flu or after you get the flu? A good leader is proactive, not reactive. And if you want to know what it costs... And how difficult it is to deal with a problem like that after it happens in your state. Look at what's happening in the state of Texas. They've got Sharia courts now in that state. And it has become a nightmare for people and for victims of that barbaric law.
2: All right. So if we have Governor Jan Morgan, what will you do about sanctuary cities? What's what's some things that you would you know, impression. the Immediately I'm going to go
10: back to those legislators who were willing to submit bills to put a stop to this and let's get that passed. Let's nip this in the bud immediately because once it happens, once that starts to happen, it's very difficult to get rid of it. It's always better to be proactive. And you look at what has, look at California. You've seen the videos. Everybody's seen the videos of what has happened there as a result of sanctuary cities. You know, not only is, will it destroy your state? It, it destroys your, your the integrity of your election system when you're giving cards to people to vote, giving people voting rights who haven't even been vetted, who aren't even legal United States citizens. But on top of that, it is unfair to the people who came here, the immigrants who came here legally, Dave, who went through the process. And I've talked to those folks and they're angry. They're angry that this is slipping into our state. I talked to a lady in Warren, in Warren Arkansas, I believe. She's she has spent years, ten thousand dollars, she and her husband, to work on her becoming a legal citizen of this country, and a citizen of the state of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. It's not fair to those people who have done it the right way. Yep, I agree. To turn around and and give these people sanctuary? Why have a rule of law if you're not going to respect the rule of law? Jan Morgan will be a governor who respects the rule of law.
2: All right, let's move on. I got a few more topics I'd like to talk to you about. Uh, The governor has brought business to the state from China and uh, from other countries. Uh, If it's Governor Jan Morgan, how do you intend to do that?
10: The governor and I have very different views about economic growth. Um, You can't have economic growth without first having economic freedom, Dave. We don't have economic freedom in Arkansas. Regulatory burdens are killing us. What did President Trump do on the national level immediately to spur economic growth?
2: He was cutting regulation. Cut absolutely.
10: regulations. Remember that picture? of The stacks and stacks of regulations. He said, look what we just cut. And then he, he turned around and offered a corporate income tax relief. What did those corporations turn around and do? What did the corporations do when they got corporate tax relief? They turned around and gave that money back to the people. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was an instant stimulus. So economic freedom is essential, number one. Number two, Jan Morgan would offer, if we've got financial incentives and tax breaks to give to spur business growth, we ought to be giving that to Arkansas entrepreneurs. Jan Morgan will not be going over to a country, a communist country, where they just burned 5,000 Christian churches, by the way, and be handing our state on a silver platter to communist billionaires And offering them incentives that our own Arkansas business owners can't get to. I mean, I've talked to businesses around the state who've wanted to expand and told me they can't because of all the restrictions and bureaucratic red tape that's attached to a possible, any kind of possible assistance. And I've talked to businesses who said, man, what I couldn't do with years of tax breaks and tax exemptions like he's giving these companies in China. I I don't think that that is the solution. I don't want China to be the solution to Arkansas problems. I want Arkansans. And when you give Arkansans a chance to succeed in business, look at what's happened. We've had some of the most amazing business growth. Some of the greatest American companies are from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. So Tyson's, Walmart. I mean, we've done that. But you don't. We don't need to go to China. That's not my solution, and you won't see me doing that. If I had to go to China, it would be about trying to work out special deals for our farmers, getting better deals on their their crops. But it wouldn't be about giving our state. It doesn't make sense when you've got the poorest one of the the poorest states in America, and we're going over and offering communist billionaires. There's there's no logic there. That's well, not that's not my solution. If
2: it's Arkansas businesses building, that money stays in Arkansas. Mm-hmm.
10: And people need to take a closer look. I'm just going to, because I'm investigating this right now, and I'm just going to kind of leave this here. People need to go back and take a closer look at some of those Chinese billionaires that have been given our state on a silver platter and whether or not what they have done with those businesses. I think one of them is sitting over there. We've been looking into one of them and there's, it's an empty building and there's one person there Uh, and it's been sitting for a year because ADEQ, I've been told, can't give them the permits they need. To open their business, and so there they sit. Mm-hmm. And you know, another thing that we would do that I think would make us more attractive to industry is a skilled labor force. Dave, we vocational training has been taken out of our schools. Why is that? When I talk to businesses around this state, they tell me you, we have trouble. There's no skilled labor force. Mm-hmm. There aren't people here who know how to run a bandsaw or know how to weld. What I love is there. There's one school district in this state that said, you know what, we don't need a state government to solve this problem for us. They went directly to the industries in their area and said, okay, what kind of skills do people need? What do your businesses need? What do, what do people need to have to come work for you? The businesses said they need to know how to do this, this, and this. School district said, okay, would you partner with us? And we're going to have a vocational training program that's going to teach people those skills. So they partnered with the industry, leave the state out of it, partnered with the school district, they trained those kids who were interested in vocational training, the skills that that industry needed. Those kids had instant jobs when they graduated from high school. The industry had skilled labor force. It was a win-win situation, and that's that's kind of the way I view the whole school safety issue as well. I don't know if you plan to get into that, but oh you know, yeah, I
2: was going to ask you. Okay, about well, it.
10: I'll just let you get into that then in a few minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I tend to take over sometimes, but no, you're doing all right. I, I'm the you're candidate. I am the candidate that wants to put more money and more power back in the hands of the people. We need to shrink the size of government. We aren't shrinking government in Arkansas. Under ACES leadership, we've been growing government the first year. How do you know this? Because of how much your government is spending, Dave. That is a key indicator. And I'm asking the people to look at this. You know, don't listen to what he says. Look at his record. The first year he was in office, he grew government spending by 133 million dollars. His second year in office, he grew spending by 140 million. His third year, he grew spending by 160 million. And have you seen his latest budget? He wants to grow government spending by 172 million dollars. And I look at that and I say, is that do we really have a Republican trifecta? And this is happening under Republican leadership. That's why I'm in this race. When you're when you're growing spending, you're not shrinking the size of government. When government grows, liberty shrinks. I'm the candidate who wants to limit government. Gee, that's a Republican Party platform issue, isn't it?
11: Yeah,
2: that's what Jefferson said. If government grows, liberty shrinks. liberty shrinks. Absolutely. So, one of the big subjects that has been every year has been about Medicaid expansion.
10: Mm-hmm.
2: Why don't you explain your thoughts about that?
10: Uh, Jan Morgan does not. Sp- support socialized medicine period uh i did i never wanted us to go that route to begin with we started that route under governor beebe mm-hmm. but governor hutchinson was warned about medicaid expansion he was warned that yeah it may look good right now but you know eventually the money's going to stop coming in and you're going to have more people in the wagon than you have to pull the wagon So you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see what happens when it gets to that point. Uh, We should never have gone the route of Medicaid expansion. We're in it now. It is a disaster. That's why the governor, in spite of what he tells you he's doing in D.C., he's going back and forth to D.C. trying to find waivers, trying to find ways to get out of this mess. That he insisted we get in. And in fact, if he had just, you know, we talked about the strong arming of legislators. If he had just left our Republican legislators alone, we wouldn't have expanded Medicaid. There were so many Republicans who ran on the promise that they would not expand Medicaid. And then they were elected. And what did they do? Much to the dismay of their constituency, who voted for them because they said they wouldn't expand Medicaid because we knew what was coming. And then they turned around and did it. Why because of pressure from the governor. It's what the governor wanted. Generation. So, you know, and it is a mess. And right now, once the government gets involved in something like that, Dave, you can't just, you know, I, it's... If if I'm elected, we're inheriting a disaster there. But I like the direction that Dan Sullivan, Representative Dan Sullivan, and is taking. Yes. He, yes, he's got he's proposed this legislation, and it's going to help us stop digging the progressive hole. Mm-hmm. You know, the best way to stop going deeper in the hole is to stop digging. digging. Yes, right. and so I like that. And his bill basically stops enrollment. We're not going to let any more people enroll. Okay, so that's good. And I, I I do understand now that we have so many Arkansans that are dependent on that. They're dependent on that system, and you you can't just you know toss them toss them out the window. Uh, So we're going to have to figure out what to do about that. And it's going to be a a, a long process and it's going to be a painful process, but we will get through it.
2: It's funny because I asked the Republicans who was going to do Medicaid expansion by the Republican way. And I kept asking them, you got a president who's a Democrat in Obama. Mm -hmm. Do you think he's going to let you do his program the Republican way? And once (laughs) you put all these people on, government healthcare what's going to happen when you got to tell them there is no more there is no more but but you know healthcare. honestly dave
10: socialized medicine is not the republican way it's the opposite I of the republican that. way there's no way for a republican to do socialized medicine and be and be honest and be and stick to the republican platform
2: all right we're going to take a last break then we'll come back finish up our conversation with jan morgan running for your vote to be the republican nominee for governor. Okay, so we're down to five minutes remaining with Jan Morgan. It's gone fast, man. Time with Jan goes quickly. I think time speeds up. To be honest, I have to talk to Einstein about that, but I do think <laughs> that it speeds it speeds up. Let's talk about February fourteenth, mass shooting, Parkland, Florida. Uh, there you know number one. I'm starting to rethink the eighteen year old uh, voting age because. <laughs> I'm looking at those young people and going, holy cow, you don't have a clue. Let's make it 21 again. But on on, to, on top of that, uh, everybody has their ideas of how to come about with school safety.
10: Mm-hmm.
2: Governor Jan Morgan, how would you take care of that?
10: Remember, I've said from day one, I'm the candidate that wants to put more money and more freedom back in the hands of the people. Yes. I think the last thing that the people of this state need or want is Little Rock politicians telling them in the form of unfunded, regulated, unfunded mandates how they're going to have to deal with school safety in their schools. I think Little Rock politicians need to stay out of this and let the people and the the, the parents, the school board members, the teachers come together in every community and decide on their own what is going to work best for their community. Every community is different. What works and what, what we might need in Little Rock schools, public schools, is different from what we might need in a more rural setting. And I don't want Little Rock to start telling school districts, you're going to have to hire this many security guards, armed guards, for per student. Uh, I think it's better for the, the state government to stay out of it and let the people handle it in their individual districts.
2: Well, a good example of that is Clarksville. I mean, they've already, are already schools they've that are armed. Their, I can tell you as a certified
10: already. firearms instructor and concealed handgun license instructor, I've trained hundreds of teachers and administrators around the state who have been carrying guns on public school campuses for years. You won't see mass shootings on those school campuses. And if they if it did happen, it would be nipped in the bud very quickly. Fewer people would die.
2: All right, let's talk about a Republican principle, although I'll be honest with you over the last four years, I've not seen as much of this as I would like to see. In fact, I'd like to see a whole lot more. Smaller government. How do we pare down what's become a behemoth Just here in the state of Arkansas.
10: Well, we had, what, 1,100 new laws that came out of the last legislative session. But the people are in control of that. If the people will start paying attention to their state government and start telling their legislators, look, when you come home from a legislative session, what I want to hear from you, I don't want you bragging about how many new bills you have on your resume. I want to hear how many you've repealed off the backs of the people. See, government is never the answer. We need less government. Government is the problem. The people need to keep that in mind and take control of their state and start demanding accountability from their legislators. Transparency in government is something Jam Morgan is going to work on on day one so that the people know, have a better idea of what's happening in their government so they can keep their legislators accountable. And that's the way you start turning this state around. It's also the way you start shrinking government. When you say, don't you come home and tell me you've added five new laws Hmm. on our backs. I want to hear about deregulation, fewer laws. How many of you stripped off the books? Also, uh, just... Final note, I want to debate Governor Hutchinson. We keep asking, and he keeps uh, putting it off. He says we have a mutual appearance uh, at a Lincoln dinner or Reagan dinner. Well, that's not a debate. I want want Governor Hutchinson and Jan Morgan face-to-face, one-on-one, Lincoln-Douglas style, no media interference, and let us get real and get down to the facts for the people of this state. This is a formal issue of a challenge.
11: All right
2: i appreciate you coming on yes, Jan. Sir. for people who want to support your campaign uh what's the website for them to go to
10: jan morgan for governor.com
2: pretty easy it isn't is it? yes right. it is i always appreciate you coming in thank, well, you. thank you enjoyed for the visit coming look in and coming sitting back. down we, normally we do this by phone but it always goes better when we can sit down and look absolutely. at absolutely
10: yes thank it you does.
2: very much all right we got a break gotta get fox news that's coming up next my thanks to jan morgan
1: Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation, so call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group J-U-R-I-S-E tlawgroup.com call us at 501 or google me Kimbro stevens and we look forward to hearing from you
2: all right welcome back dave elswick show hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with jan morgan i thought it was really a comprehensive interview i asked her every question that i thought you'd probably want to know about there was a couple areas i didn't get to ask about because we ran out of time. That's simple we talked she'll be back on the show in the near future and we'll talk some more here on the uh, the dave Ellswick show well we've got joe and we've got duck here if you got a question about your car your mama's car your daughter's car your son's car your wife's car your ex-wife's car
12: dad's old mobile yeah <laughs>
13: you, you, <laughs> are you, a you diesel truck or your pickup yeah anything
2: eight two three oh nine six five eight two three zero nine six five and uh, before we get too far into this. Right off the bat, let's talk about the big car show that's coming up on Saturday, March the thirty first.
12: Yeah, it's at the Pulaski Tech College out there, Dave.
2: Okay, they're having their own yes. car show.
12: Yes. Okay. Bumper to bumpers helped sponsoring that, and I think the National Street Rod Association and the Pulaski Tech College alumni.
2: Very cool. Yeah, that should be good. They should have some great cars then. And then, yeah. of course, what is it? The next weekend. We'll be doing ours, right? No. No. No, ours in June. June. Oh, in June. That's right. There is an April. Yeah. I forgot there's an April. Do you know what a week from Saturday is?
12: A week from Saturday. Yes.
2: I'm excited. Spring. It, well, no. <laughs> that that comes on a win, uh, Tuesday or a Wednesday, a week okay. from that. Right. Next, a week from uh, Sunday, mm-hmm. a week from Sunday, we spring forward. Cool. Night. Daylight saving. Yeah, and I'm liking that. I be hate light driving the afternoon. Yeah, me I too. hate driving home at nighttime, and that is exactly what's been happening.
12: I leave when it's dark, and I get home when it's yeah,
13: dark. Yeah, eh? we
2: both are the same way. Horrible. Yeah,
13: it is. Yeah, I, I like getting home in daylight. Yep, I do too. I like
2: driving in day. Well, when we start off, it'll be still dark, but hey, I, don't, I don't
13: mind leaving in the morning. In the morning i don't mind leaving in the morning but if you're
2: really tired you don't
13: want dark i'm just saying no <laughs> after them after them pounding that concrete all day i'm ready for it to be daylight again
2: so uh you know just uh remember uh what is it the fourth is sunday so the 11th is daylight savings time cool i love that you just gotta like it all right we got a lot of callers uh let's Good. get to the callers Brian's in Little Rock. Let's start off with Brian. Hi, Brian. How are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellsworth Show.
9: Great. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is a kind of maybe an odd question. My uh, sister is leaving for a year to go overseas on, on an assignment with her church, and she's going to store her car at my house. I was okay. looking for some advice. I've heard, you know, use a trickle charge, drive it every so often. What, what would you guys say?
12: What kind of car is this?
9: It is a uh, what is it? It's a 2003
14: Chevy Impala.
12: Well, what I would do, I would put a little fuel stabilizer in it, and I would start the car and drive it at least once a week.
14: Yep. And,
13: and should... drive it about 20 miles or so.
12: Yeah, because it needs to come to full temp. You can't start it, let it run for two or three minutes, shut it off. It'll Eventually, that'll that'll flood the plugs out on it because it never gets a chance to lean okay. out. So.
13: Okay. So drive it about 20 minutes every week. Yep. Yeah. Yeah put and, you some and, stabilizer in it and, that's it and go from there
12: full tank of fuel stabilizer in it when she gets back you'll still have about a quarter tank of gas <laughs> and she'll be ready to
13: fill it up in
9: <laughs> yeah on her dime I hope that's right. it yeah, yeah you got that right
2: <laughs> all
6: right thanks guys I forget. thank you all
2: right no yes, problem no problem whatsoever we've got uh phil in benton phil how are you welcome to uh the dave ellswick show and you're talking to duck and to joe go
15: Hey, guys. How are y'all today? Pretty good. I got a 2001 Ford F-250 crew cab full-wheel drive with a 7.3 diesel in it. Yes, sir. My windshield wipers intermittently worked, and now they have quit completely. I can't even find the windshield wiper motor in
11: the thing.
13: <laughs> it's out there underneath uh, the cowl. It ain't easy to get Yeah, there. they hit it. They, they didn't want you to find it.
15: Well, you know... Normally, they're out there on the firewall, but that's where the turbos are.
13: Yeah. Uh, it's up underneath that, that wire screen there, right in front of the windshield. You got to take all that oh, okay. off to get to it.
15: All right. So I've checked for the fuses, can't figure out. Uh, oh, yeah. They
12: made that simple to be, too, didn't they?
15: Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. seems to be a half a dozen fuses that could or could not be the fuse. Mm hmm. But they all check out all right. But let um, me tell you
13: what i found on most of them. Has it got tilt steering wheel? Yes, sir. It's probably up there in the multifunction switch. Yeah. It's probably about halfway unplugged. Yes.
15: And it's kind of wore out because when I put it in reverse, it's really in neutral. And when I put it in drive, it's really in neutral. And when I put it in drive, yeah. well, really in drive.
12: That's on the other side of the steering column over there. The bushings are wore out on the shift tube assembly, right, Doc?
13: Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. they're wore out. But, but what I'm talking about, where you tilt the steering wheel up and down, Yes, yeah, sir. It's got a plug back here and it'll it'll pull two wires out of that plug. It'll be a gray with a red stripe and a yellow with uh-huh. a with the red stripe. And one of them two will probably be pulled out. And that's the reason it don't work no more.
15: So can I get to that? Yeah, um, pull
13: the covers off of it. You don't have to pull the steering wheel off of it, pull the two plastic covers off of it.
15: Off the steering column? Yeah, yes. they
13: come up the the four screws come right. up from the bottom.
15: Right okay and then
13: check right. out before you do it before you don't start placing the motor or anything that's where i'll right. send all my guys to go look before they do anything that's okay.
15: exactly right it
13: it's it's a yellow with a red stripe and a gray with a red stripe i think is what color they are but they'll be most time they're pulled out because tilting of the steering wheel they got it tied too tight and you right. know it'll, it'll work them loose over a period of time
15: i got you when and you have right.
12: those covers off put you some bushings in that shift tube and it'll yeah. fix that indicator problem
13: yep.
15: is that a pretty simple process yeah that ain't bad yeah, either it ain't
13: too
12: bad you know
15: okay second question uh sometimes i started up in the summer and it, uh, when it's in ac mode it blows out the uh, defrost vents and won't come through the dash that's and then you will just be driving down the road and the defrost will shut down and it'll start blowing through
13: the dash. Bins. If you'll look over on the right-hand fender wheel, you'll find the vacuum pump. And that's that's how it gets its vacuum on there. It's probably got a cracked line is probably what's wrong with over around that tank. If you'll look, the pump's right there. Then right in front of the pump, it have a tank and it have a line coming off to the tank and then inside the vehicle. It, that line, is it going to be black in color or white in color? Depending on how they felt that day, what color they used. <laughs> But it, you'll probably find it cracked, and it's, and it's just taking a long time to pull a vacuum to it. Okay. To switch
11: them.
15: And third question I really don't want to ask you, but it's got 235,000 miles on it. All you've mm-hmm. done to it has changed the oil and never had an issue with it other than the uh, cam sensor that, that's normal. Got recalled, that got recalled and replaced half a dozen times.
13: Yeah, that's normal.
15: So... You think I should do anything serious to it?
13: The only thing I'd do to it would be just, you know, to keep it serviced good, uh, keep your fuel yeah. filter changed every time you service it, and drive it. Uh huh. Yeah, mean,
12: you'll go half uh, a million miles uh, oh, on
11: that yeah. easy.
15: Yeah, and I've read on the internet, you know, they're like, oh, two hundred thirty thousand miles, you need to get your turbos rebuilt. Cause
11: yeah. No, Sad if, if it ain't if
15: it
13: ain't blue smoking, don't worry about it. The only thing you'll probably have trouble with before it reaches three hundred thousand miles, you'll probably have to put some injectors in it to get hard to start in the morning when it's cold. Yeah, maybe idle rough till it warms yeah. up. Yeah, it's it sat there and idle yeah. run a little rough. Mm-hmm.
15: Yeah, I run C foam through it quite regularly, but I only drive it like two thousand miles a year now. It's not
11: you'll you'll run really forever. All right, okay, that yeah. help you
13: out. All right, I appreciate yeah.
15: it.
11: That's Thank awesome. you. All
13: right, Phil. We'll
2: day day talk day. to you later. Got a, a text that came in that says, my car, when I shift to drive, sometimes won't shift. But then I shift it into second, and then back to drive, and it is shift. Is this just a transmission flush that needs to be done, or what?
12: Did they say what kind of car that was, Dave? They
2: have not. And it, they evidently are listening, and why don't you text us that information?
12: Yes, it would be helpful, but I can tell you what's wrong with it when when they shift it down to drive the indicator says drive they put it down in second and it takes gear then they can put it back there's some slack in that in linkage somewhere linkage, yeah it just don't pull the lever far enough so it stays in neutral when it says it's in drive you put it in second it goes to drive yeah it just then needs a little on back color. because it's got some slack in there somewhere
13: could right. be in the cable could be on the side of the transmission could be anywhere could
12: be in the shifter we don't know what kind of car it is so yep. it's, if it's a column shift floor shift or whatever
2: yeah. so ken ken Send me mm-hmm. what kind of car and what year it is. Yeah, what model? That helps. Know, I know you drive a Lamborghini, so <laughs> you know just just make tell me so I can make sure that that's the right automobile. And here. we want to go for a ride in it to make yeah. sure it Rose all right. We he, need he, a road test that Lamborghini. He, he could be driving the Rose, All right. I'm just well, I still you know.
12: want to drive that too. You know. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we need a road test the Lamborghini.
2: All right. Let's talk to Jay. He's in Alexandria, and then we'll take a break. Eight two three zero nine six five is the local number to call here. Talk to Joe or Duck. Got a car problem? Here's your problem. Here's your answer. A Nissan Sentra. That's a long way from a Lamborghini. A <laughs> Nissan Sentra,
12: okay. two thousand and five. I think it's gonna have a bushing more out on the shift. Yep. Is what it is most
13: likely either out of plastic deal where it locks down in places yep. is broken it's letting you walk back and forwards yeah
2: i think i think this person lives over in your area duck so that just, all he has to do is give you a call
13: yeah just give me a call and come by i'll get someone to look at you right quick and we'll take care of you
2: all right that's an easy way of doing it jay is in alexander let's get you and jay then i got to take a break what's up
11: Hey, Jay.
9: Okay, I got I got kind of a two-part question here, too. Uh, this is on a 02 Dodge Ram, 5.9 liter. Ever since I've had it, since it was like, had like 200 miles on it, bought it new, it's always used about a quarter bowl or half a quart between oil changes, depending on how hard I'm having to drive it or if I'm having to tow something. And I had called our radio program maybe the same maybe you're the same guy I talked to. It's been a couple of years ago and I never had you know had the opportunity to get it fixed. But I was wanting to read kind of if you tell me again what it was. You said it was something
13: What kind of
11: vehicle was
9: motor. it? What
11: what kind 5. of vehicle
9: 9.
13: is it's it a Dodge a, Ram? Like a two like a twenty five hundred Dodge Ram? Is no, this... it's a fifteen hundred. Oh it's fifteen hundred gas yes, burner?
12: Yes. Okay. Most of the time that you, you see a lot of oil consumption on those five nines because the plate on the bottom, bottom of the intake, intake, is the gasket will it'll deteriorate and it will start sucking that oil out of the crankcase.
13: But it was, it was doing that since it was brand new, though. Yeah, I don't, I've seen them do it yeah. brand new, too. It, it's,
12: it's, it's a pretty easy check. If it's doing that, you can take the PCV valve out and plug the engine off or you can smoke it and use a smoke machine on it and test it. But if it's leaking right there, it will consume some oil.
13: And they use use about a quart to two quarts between oil changes. You
12: uh, know, and a lot of times, it, until it gets really bad, you won't see a lot of blue smoke because the converters are so hot it burns it up, and then you just really don't see it because yeah, it's see. doing it small increments.
9: So you plug the PVC valve off, and
16: then and, and the then oil cap,
12: and, and if it's leaking in there, you'll pull a you'll feel a vacuum pull on that engine. You'll have to plug that PCV hole. You have to take the uh, the the oil fill cap up. off, and you can put your hand up there, and if it's sucking. It's leaking right yeah, there, I it's promise. leaking around the intake. Or you can do a smoke sure. test on it where we smoke the intake, and we'll take those off and see if the smoke comes, comes out In the pass. crankcase. Yeah. If it comes out there, it's leaking, too. Yeah, There's okay. a couple
13: ways we can check it, you, you know, if you want to repair it. But most likely, it's going to be an intake. That's, that's common on a Dodge 5.9. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the
16: other
9: one is I've got a condenser pan I need to replace on it, and I've seen where a lot of the, or the motor, and I've seen where a lot of them – Came with different uh, different numbers of fan blades on that particular motor, and uh, are the are, are the motors the same? It's just that they come well, with different blade options.
12: Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you that there's several of them out there. When you buy that condensing fan motor, it is a module assembly. You can't even yeah. buy the motor. You're going to get the shroud, the motor, the fan blade, and you know I think. Uh, uh there's a couple different manufacturers who you get it from depending on what rpm they're going to run that motor at is going to depend on how many blades yeah, are how on many blade skate, and yeah. the more blades you got the better off it's going to be because more air to pull across there yes
11: right i think yeah,
12: um uh, makes one that i think the original one had like six blades i think there's got nine. eight on it or eight nine. Or nine. yeah it's, it's it to me it's an improved design is what it is so uh, the new ones are yes any of the aftermarket replacements will probably better quality than what the OEM was because all the OEMs went out.
11: Huh. Okay. You know,
12: the thing about that, doing it yourself, is you you have to take the condenser out to put that in. You're going to have to evacuate and recharge yeah, the AC. Yeah, freon out of it. So if you're going to do it at your house, I I don't know that you're going to want to do that because of that reason. You're going to lose your freon.
11: Yeah.
13: Yeah, there ain't no way you can do it without letting, taking the freon out mm-hmm. of it. I and mean, don't what trust you me
9: the coil comes with the fan shroud and blade and everything
13: yes. oh yeah yeah comes That's all with it it's
12: what they call a okay. condensing fan control uh a cooling fan control module yeah it's all made together
13: yeah i'll put one on you uh yep monday and we do them all the time
12: it's, it's this time of the year is coming and, you yeah. know, your complaint will be when I'm sitting still and I ain't got no air. When I take off driving it down the road, I got cold air. Yeah. That's it. That's that's your complaint. And, yeah. and what happens is the fan, the motor goes bad and it don't turn the fan. When you're sitting still and your head pressure gets too high and it trips out the compressor and turns it off. Yep. Then you take off getting hot. Take off driving. That air flows across there. That head pressure comes back down. Boom. The AC's back to working.
9: Okay.
12: Yep. All
2: right. All right. Thank, Thank you, Jay. All right, Jay. Appreciate Thank that you. call, brother. All right. Uh, Jason's in Cabot. We'll take his call when we come back. We've got to get a break in. Claiming your Social Security benefits is complicated, confusing uh, with even more changes that are going on now because of our government. It's even more complicated and confusing. And ultimately, it can end up costing you tens of thousands of dollars uh, in the time that you take your Social Security over the years. So what you need to do is go to one of David Lucas's uh you know social security uh workshops that he has. He has uh, he did 17 last year, sold out every one of them. He's got uh, two coming up March 29th and 30th, and all you have to do to uh, get into it is uh call this number 501 uh, 653 6690 uh, the registration is $18. It includes a 34-page Maximizing Social Security workbook, workbook. And after going through the two-hour class, you will now know how to claim your Social Security benefits. 501-653-6690 or on the internet at davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, let's uh, continue here on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We have uh, Jason in Cabot. Hi, Jason. How are you? And uh, what's your question for Joe and Duck?
12: Hey, Jason.
17: Hey, guys. I've got a uh, 2001 Chevy Tahoe. And just this week, I've noticed an issue with the transmission. When you put it in drive and you go to take off, it feels like it's starting in second gear. It doesn't quite have that pull. Yeah. And then when you get on the freeway and you get up to uh, freeway speed, it, do- it, it doesn't want to shift from third into overdrive.
12: Yeah, I, I got a couple questions for you. One, does it have a service engine soon light on?
17: Yes, the service engine soon light came on.
12: Okay. You do realize that if it sets certain engine codes, that it's going to put that transmission in, in limp mode. Yep, It's going to be in second oh. gear. Okay. So you may have a transmission code. You could have an engine code. but uh, And, and you're going to say, well, the light's been on for years. But it doesn't matter. You only have one light, but you can have 80, 90 different codes to turn that yeah. light on. So if it's on for something that didn't affect the way it performed, now it's got something wrong that that is affecting the way it performs. but you don't know any difference because your light's on all the time. Okay. So what I'm going to recommend, you're in Cabot. I yeah. guess uh, you could go to, I guess the closest place would be Keith's in Valonia or... You can come to my place in North Little Rock to get that checked.
13: Yeah, and it needs to be scanned to see what's going on with it.
12: That's it. You're gonna have some codes in there that ain't been there for a while.
13: How many okay. miles is on
17: it? Uh just under three hundred thousand.
13: Yeah, they ain't I'm no miles.
17: Like two 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 ninety six.
12: Yeah. Well, you know, you could have something wrong in the transmission because it'll set a seven hundred code, seven forty one.
13: Yeah, it could be a seventeen eighty slip code,
12: something like that. So you just need to come by and let us check it and see what's going on, and then we can advise you whether it needs to be at the transmission shop or if it's, if it's something engine related. It can have a throttle body code in it. it there's several things yep. in there that can cause it to set and put it in limp. Okay.
17: okay. Now, Joe, you're over on Crystal Hill, right? Yes, sir. Okay, because I work in Little Rock, so that may be a stop I need to make on the way home. If right. you can
12: drive by, it won't take a few minutes to scan this and road test it, and I can tell you what's going on, okay? Okay. Thank, thank
11: you, Jason. All right, James, thank Jason,
2: it. appreciate right. you. Danny's in bright. Danny, will talk to you, but I've got to get to Fox News. We're up next. We'll hear about Hope Hicks resigning. That's all coming up here in just a moment. Joe and Duck will be with us in the next half hour as well, and we got some other things that we've got to talk about. As far as the uh, car show that's happening Saturday, March the thirty-first, all that and more on the uh, Dave Ellswick show. But first, we've got Fox News for you. We're back with you. Let's go to Danny and Bryant, and a, another question for Joe and Duck. If you have a question, eight two three zero nine six five. That's eight two three zero nine six five. That's uh, gas burners, diesel burners. You know, passenger cars, pickups, and eighteen wheelers, whatever you can O-pads. call it. Yeah, they'll take Wait, wait, take wait, it on. wait,
13: No lawnmowers, neither.
2: No limo. I just talked we just to talked Joe about on. Dave's lawnmowers. Yeah, I'm I see you, Dave. Part. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Let's talk to Danny. Hey,
14: Danny. Hey, Danny what's hey, up? Good hey, I'm doing good. Um, I have two questions. The first is on a 2012 Ford Focus. Uh, Driving along, and I hear a pop through the speakers, and then the radio goes (laughs) on, and it won't come back on until I restart the vehicle.
12: I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, what kind of radio is in that?
14: It's just the standard stock radio that came in this Ford Focus.
12: Yeah, I think the radio is your issue. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, those radios are on the communication line because— and and so you can you can you can actually look at some data on those and see what's going on and and I, I'm not too sure but uh, it might even have a code set in there for something.
13: I bet it does have a code. Yeah, because it's all tied in with the body control module. Yeah,
12: and I think that's the reason you hear the pop in the speaker. I think there's something internal in the radio.
13: There's you know, something shortening now out. And,
12: and you can look at the, you know, you wouldn't think that, but with the right scanner, you can go in there and, and you can look at some data on that. It ain't got a whole bunch of data, but it's got some on there. But okay. I, it sure sounds like it's going to have a, a a problem internal in the radio.
14: Yeah, in, in the radio itself. Okay, well, I tell you, I work at Camp Robinson, so I'll run it over. Joe, I've been to your place several okay. times. My second question is on a 1998 uh, Chevy uh, Silverado. When I go to unlock the door with the key fob, it's you know it's a '98, so it's a pretty old truck. It, it just doesn't have the power to unlock the door anymore.
12: Well, that that's just a wore-out <laughs> door <laughs> lock actuator. Yeah, yeah that's your uh, little electric motor down in the yeah. door. It's aged, just wore out. It'll probably able- <laughs> pull them down pretty easy, but it won't push that button yeah. forward on that door panel because that yeah. that goes up there to a lever and it just cl- clicks it one way or the other. When, right. when, when that solenoid is retracting, pulling down, it'll pull it. But when it has to stick and push back up, yeah, it's this just thing wore got out and it's
16: weak. To you can
12: okay, put so your can finger up there it. and help it, right, and it'll it. do it, right?
14: Right, right. Yeah, right. it's wore so, out. What am I looking at for the, the door?
12: The actuator on that, I think the actuator on the 98 model, this is going by memory. I think the actuator is about $70, bucks, is not it, Duck?
13: I was thinking somewhere around 65
12: Yeah. I think that's the cost on it and I think you're gonna spend uh, hours labor, you have to take door panel and everything off, get in there and it's riveted on there on you that, that the inner ribbage. panel. Yep. Gotta drill a rivet out and put a put another in there. I think you'll spend probably about a hundred bucks labor putting it in.
13: Some more than two hundred dollars, right? Yeah.
12: With tax. Okay. Probably up about two, yeah.
14: All right, gentlemen. Hey, I appreciate you and I really do. Uh Joe's a garage, great place to go. Thank you. I appreciate
12: Thank that, you. Danny. Appreciate all right, Danny appreciate,
2: Danny, appreciate your call. And we've cleared all the lines now. Man, we had a just a whole bunch of people calling in right off the bat. Eight two three zero nine six five. If you want to have a question answered, call now. Don't wait to the last three minutes of the show and getting behind a couple other people. And we're trying to, you know, do an American Express commercial <laughs> and yeah. answer it for you. Boy, you got to be old to remember those. Yes, mm-hmm. that guy talking so fast, or or maybe they thought. We're going to stick a gorilla on them. <laughs>
11: Could be. <laughs> I don't
2: know. All three zero nine six five. That's the number to call. Let's get back. We had started to talk about this car show and then the phones exploded. Yep. So now that we got the chance to talk, let's talk about it. Uh, this is happening over at Pulaski Tech. Yeah. on I-30. Car show Saturday, March 31st from 10 in the morning to 2 p.m. You guys tell me the rest.
13: It's going to have the same class that Dave kind of like we have, you know. It will have the the year models and it will have a rat ride. They told us and a couple other odds and ends. But they're going to be there. It's on I thirty right there at the uh, Plasky Votech School right there by the in their big parking lot there. They have there. um They're going to have you know whatever whatever you want. They're going to yeah, have, going to have, have this show
12: rain or shine, and you know it's yep. sponsored by uh, the bumper to bumper folks and uh national street rock right. association, association. Yeah, and, then, right. and then they're uh alumni there at the uh pulaski Veltec college so and you know if you were just going to be a spectator come out it's free so
13: you don't know. cost you nothing
12: that's it so and, and i think it'd be a good time uh you know, it's ten a.m. to two p.m. The judging goes on is Saturday, March thirty-first. So if you ain't got anything to do that day, or you need to, you got a car, take it out there and show it. You might win yep. a prize. Maybe
2: you want know. to tune up for the bumper to bumper. Yep. Car show coming up in June. Yep. Yep. You are ready for that? You know, be, a- be able to answer. Speaking of bumper to bumper, you guys are certified service centers. And what's the the big deal going on with bumper to bumper right now?
12: The big deal is they providing us with quality parts at a quality price and the service is great isn't it Doug
13: and we don't have to wait
12: that's it sooner quicker faster we love that yep uh you know you, you're talking about name brand parts like you know AC Delco Motorcraft Standard Gates, Standard Motor Products uh they've got you know if if you can think of a company that's been in business for Midland, 50, they got Michigan years, trucks. they got parts there and yeah. and it's
13: great and they even stocked Dave, they stock parts for big trucks. They got clutches like uh fifteen and a half uh uh two inch blind. You know, it's that's like a twenty four thousand pound push clutch, which they call it an easy pedal. They even have them. People don't really know what they do, but they have all that. They have brake shoes for big trucks. They have brake drums. They have uh slack adjusters, they have uh brake chambers. And they're all name brand stuff. Uh you know, they're good people.
2: Bottom line. You know that a bumper-to-bumper certified service centers can get the best parts for any kind of automobile or truck. Yes. You know, and get them fast and get you fixed and get you back out on the road in uh, pretty quick order, unless it's some kind of huge
13: repair.
12: Well, you know, it, every repair job has the time allotted to do it, and we try and stay within that time. But I can tell you, sometimes we don't make that time. We don't charge extra, do we? Does? Nope. So... And you get a two year, twenty four thousand mile warning any anything we do, parts and labor and, nationwide. And and you know, we we don't talk about this enough, Bo, but but the safe route system that, that bumper to bumper's got. Like Dave, for instance, if you come in and you have an oil change at Joe's garage, that qualifies you for three toes for a year. Yeah. Lockouts, jump starts, out of fuel. Three times you pay, you have somebody come out, you pay them, then you send in that bill and and the safe route will reimburse you up to seventy five dollars three times a year for any one of them.
2: That's really a good and deal. All
12: you had was an oil change that qualifies you for that service. And, and you know, that means that they're giving back and helping you. If you do mm-hmm. have a problem, you can get it towed in safely and you know that you're not gonna have to pay for that, you're gonna get reimbursed up to seventy five dollars. Yeah, somebody's
13: gonna help you out.
12: Yeah.
13: All right.
2: You guys ready to go back to work? Yep. We got three callers. Good. So let's wait, let's Wait, wait.
13: Okay. We're going to give away a vacuum cleaner today. We've been giving away it's on, on a five gallon bucket, mm-hmm. but you must come to Dickie's in Bryant to pick it up. All right. Evans Automotive. So let's
2: clear off the callers first. We'll, we're going to clear off the callers first. Then we'll, then we'll open up we'll the phone lines. we'll open phone lines up.
13: All right. David is
2: on the road right now. Let's talk to him before he gets out of our uh, our listening area. How you doing, David? Hey,
16: guys. How are y'all doing? We're we're great, man. Great, great. Uh, Hey, I've got an 08 Dodge Avenger with a 3.5 liter six cylinder. Uh, And it is uh, like going into uh, limp gear or first or second gear Mm -hmm. uh, while just driving. Um, And uh, when it does that, I can pull over and cut the key off and turn it back on, and then it will shift uh, smoothly again.
12: Yeah, but you you got a problem. check engine light on too, don't you?
16: No, Actually, no. There's no check engine light on.
12: Well, it's still set a code because you're yeah. in limp mode. So if, if the light ain't on, that means it's burned out.
0: Yeah.
12: <laughs> I, I can tell you that for a fact because it's got to have a, a check engine light on because what happened is when you turn the ignition off, you reset it's it, restart it, thing. You, you, it, it's it's, it's going to run again and do fine until it sets that code again. It's either a transmission code or engine fuel management code, misfires. There's about 25 or 30 of them that could cause it to go into limp. Uh, all I can tell you is you just have to get it by one of the bumper-to-bumper certified service centers and let us code test it. But even if the light's not on, that doesn't mean we cannot retrieve codes. We can still get the codes out of there, can't we, Doug?
13: Yes, it don't matter about the light. We can still get anything we want out of it as long as nobody's took the battery cable off and i got i got one they brought me today
12: they okay. did that okay it makes our job david,
16: harder. david where do you live actually uh i'm on the road i just heard you guys uh on the radio but i live in uh northeast louisiana
2: okay well here's what you do when you get home mm-hmm. go on google Yep. type in bumper to bumper certified service centers and they'll pop up in your area
12: that's correct
16: Okay, and I've and, got a mechanic that this, I use, and I think he uh, i think he is a certified bumper-to-bumper. There yeah. you go.
2: Well, that would be you great. Look, you learned and learned quickly. Very good.
13: Yeah, you just need to get a right. scan test and see what's going on with it.
2: All right, we'll let okay. you go then. Thank you, David. Thank, Thank you, Dave. Get home. Okay. Be careful. Be safe. Yeah.
13: <laughs> Driving okay. out there. All right,
2: yeah. that's good. Let's see who we got here. Let's go to uh, Vince in Redfield. Hi, Vince. How are you? Thanks for waiting. We're ready for your hey. question.
9: Doing great. Um hey, I was, I called earlier, I got that two thousand uh two thousand seven Sprinter, uh diesel van and one thing is, what is the recommended uh cycle on maybe replacing those injectors? It's running fine, but I I've read a few things. And the other thing is how do I know, this may be out of y'all's uh realm, but uh, getting a, a replacement key, that funky key. Uh getting an extra
11: key.
13: Go so, online uh, and buy it and then uh Call me and I'll t- and I'll tell you how to program it. Okay. Go online perfect. and buy the key because the key's gonna have the fob made into it. They're I bought one here not long ago. I bought two of them. Matter of fact, they come in a, in a kit. Seemed like it was about eighty dollars online, okay, which is a whole okay. lot cheaper than buying them from from line or anybody like that. As yeah, far as the injectors I- go, the only ways you can do that is let me put it on a machine, and you look going in. You look at the return rates, and it's going to be anywhere. A good one's going to be somewhere 0.03 to 0.06. If they're running in there, they're fine. If you get one in there and it's running like 13.9, well, you know it's returning way too much fuel. How many miles is it on it? Uh, it's
14: 115,000.
13: Don't even worry about them.
14: Okay. Keep
13: okay. your fuel filter changed, and you'll be fine to about 250,000.
14: I hear Well, I sure do appreciate it, Doug. All You're right. welcome. Thank, Thank you, you Vince. Your You're welcome. Appreciate the call. Love, love do drop.
16: <laughs>
2: yes, we got you That'll work. All right, Tommy is an Alexander and then we'll clear uh, our phone lines off for right now Tommy how are you welcome and talk to Joe and Duck
15: hey I'm doing pretty good how y'all doing fellas wonderful I got a 2005 trailblazer that a lady friend went to go jump it off and she took the cover off the fuse box that's right behind the battery yes sir hooked the jumper. hooked the jumper cables to it and went to fired her little Honda up and went to jump the other one. She heard a pop when she hooked them up. But yeah. just curious about how, and of course it shorted every fuse, the one under the back seat, under the dash, I mean, everything.
11: Mm-hmm.
15: I was wondering about how much we'll be looking at to just get that thing trouble, have a tr- trouble shot.
12: You're probably going to spend between 50 and a hundred bucks to see what all is messed up. It, it, it might've just blown some fuses. And there are some that are, that are fuse links that are kind of not, very accessible to see that's it so I, i'm you know and that may be all it is but you could have damaged some modules too arcing and sparking and hooking things up reverse polarity is not good on these vehicles okay
13: um, <laughs> it's, it's not good on 18 water i got yeah. one with a blowed up computer right now
12: yeah it just kills everything and you don't never know what the damage is because you know there's circuit protections there for that but do they do enough we you know we see them sometimes they damage the modules right doc yep Sometimes it just does the fuses, and you replace the fuses and the fuse links, and it's ready to go. Yep. If you're lucky, that's
15: what will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right now, the only thing it will do is crank. I mean, no dash, no yeah. windows don't work, AC, yeah. nothing. Will it
13: run? So. It
15: yeah.
12: will It'll start
13: run. and
15: run? But, okay. Yeah.
12: Okay. I would so. just get it. Uh, you're in, uh,
13: where He's you at? in Redfield. Alexander? Alexander. Alexander. Uh, so okay. You're going to come here to see yeah. me or... or or Gary Henry, one of the, yeah, two.
12: one of them guys up there, be closer there,
15: Benton. Where are they, where are they
13: at? Gary Henry's on, uh, Sleepy Village, Sleepy Village, Road right off of Alcoa. And I'm at, you know where they built all the new stuff at, uh, Airline. Benton RV park or the yes, Benton Riverside park. I'm right at the end of the, right, right down the street from the boys and girls club on the right hand so side.
15: So you think it's safe to drive other than just not having to blink? I mean,
13: you ain't going to have nothing.
15: You,
13: you had to get somebody to follow, but you ain't going to hurt it. if it's, if, yeah, it, if, if it is still starting run, you ain't going to hurt it.
12: If, as long as you don't have to go very far, because uh, we don't know if the alternator is charging at this yeah. point. Like, you know, turn everything off, and, you know, if not, not anything, accessories working, just go slow. Make sure somebody's following you, because you might have a dead battery before you get yeah. to your destination. All
15: right. Well, fellas, I sure appreciate well, thank you. Thank you. All right, Tommy. You're we welcome, We appreciate
2: Tommy. you. Thanks right. for calling in and thank being you. part of the show today. All zero nine six five fifth fifth caller a two three oh nine six five we've got one of those uh vacs that it you get with the a bucket with a bucket you get the bucket the whole nine yards fifth caller you can be the winner a two three oh nine six five a lot of people wanted that vacuum but josh is the one who's going to walk away with it how you doing josh
11: hey Good, josh. sir
15: how
2: are you we're doing fantastic here in the, in the studio we're dry it's nice and comfortable in here but I'm going to turn it over to Duck cuz he's going to tell you
13: where you picked this up at and how you do it, all right? Where are you located right. at, Josh? Uh
14: well, right now I'm in Bryant. <laughs> Good.
13: You know where uh Evans uh is in Benton, in Benton on off of uh He lives, It's at 408 um Watson Street in Benton off of Military. And I'll okay. call I'll call Dickie and tell him but you can't pick it up until tomorrow. Oh, but, that's fine. Cuz I got to call Dickie and tell him that, that you want it and I'll take your name by there. You have to have your driver's license. That's where you pick it up at. All right. Evans Auto Repair? Evans, no, Evans Auto Parts. Evans it's, Auto Parts. It's Part. bumper to bumper. If you're going down military and you go past the Arvis Bank, when you go, yep. there'll be a Regents Bank, and then there's uh, some tar company right in front of them. Turn right down beside it on Watson Street, and they're right there behind it. All
9: right, man. Sounds
12: good.
13: Thank all you.
9: Right, what kind it. of car you
12: drive, Josh? Uh,
9: thank you all hey josh what kind of car are you drive yeah oh uh honda civic
12: what year
8: uh 2014
12: okay uh-huh. you had good luck with it not broke down anything
8: well i just bought it not too long ago to save a little gas yeah good
13: cars
12: yeah that's a good vehicle yeah. we're just curious we always ask what you're driving and what you think of it and we've had some people say i hate it and a lot of people say i love it so, yeah we're just getting feedback so
9: yeah, it ain't bad. It's okay.
12: just a little gas saver. All right. Thank well, you, we Josh. we
9: appreciate you calling
2: yeah, in. Yes, sir. Sure do. Use that, uh, that dry vac. You yeah, like it. Yeah,
12: you can wash, you can vacuum your car out. Yeah, now. absolutely <laughs> like
2: that. you get off on that. I yep. like them. I like them. All right, let's talk about oil. Oil. You guys use the same place for your oil. B&M, B&M oil? b oil. That's now, it.
13: Now, Angel?
2: No. Do you say oil or do you say Earl? Earl. Earl, Yeah. <laughs>
12: earl yeah earl nice. earl who
2: yeah i'm i'm with you on that one <laughs> earl the beard. where i came from they call it oil all right <laughs> not actually earl. it's
12: chevron haviland <laughs> okay, motor oil there you is what go. it is.
2: we'll get specific yeah. yeah
12: it's the good stuff i'm telling you it's got the uh, shield in it and keeps it from uh sludging up and gumming up and it's got uh, any weight you want any type whether it's synthetic synthetic blend high mileage or if you just want conventional oil and uh, they have everything we need, and they do us right as far as the price, and it's a high-quality product. We love that. Uh, Chevron Havilland And the name Havilland has been around for years and for years of and years. years. You remember the old commercials, Dave? Uh, take your star, your car, the man who wears the star. That was Texaco Havilland and, yeah. and it's Chevron Havilland now. So Chevron it's owns Texaco. The big red
2: Texaco star.
12: That's it. <laughs>
13: and another thing, they, uh, Joe, that they sell. Like you got an Allison automatic transmission, like would I say a twenty-five sixty or a thirty sixty, mm-hmm. which is in the bigger, you know, like in the Bob trucks and stuff. They have to have one kind of fluid and one kind of fluid only to make them work. And most times you got to buy it from uh the manufacturer. Yeah, the Allison dealer. They have they make that oil for, for them. them. Yes, and it's about half price what you buy it from the dealer from.
12: See, we pass along the quality stuff at a quality price too yes and that's what it's all about with B&M oil they do us right Dave
13: yeah all right and Dave when you come out you get to see my new awning with B&M oil on it yeah it looks good
12: took
2: you a while to get that done
13: (laughs) and you ain't gonna believe what happened No, no we won't talk about it right now it's got a hole tore in it Uh, we don't have time to talk storms
2: all right let me just say thanks for you guys coming by (laughs) thank Thank you you, Dave Dave. all right so uh Duck and Joe will be back next Wednesday they come on every Wednesday at four o'clock When we come back after Fox News, got a therapist on, we're going to talk about sexual addiction. You know, I'm the world's biggest lesbian. We'll talk about it when we get back.
1: Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens, and my law firm, the Juris Law Group, specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation, so call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T Lawgroup.com. Call us at 501 482 8250 or Google me, Kimbro Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you.
2: All right. Final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Wednesday hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day, a rainy day again. Uh, but uh, that's a good thing because we're not, uh, we're a long way from Monday and heading towards Friday. And they're telling us that the rain moves out tonight. We start getting some nice weather tomorrow. And this weekend's supposed to be nice, so four straight days, and then I think rain to be back in the forecast at that time. But still, I'll go along with uh, some temperatures in the upper 60s and, and a lot of sunshine. I love that. All right, so uh, Dr. Barry Wingfield is with us from uh, John Brown University. Uh, he uh, does therapy, as does uh, John Brown University. They have a, a group of uh, graduate students who uh, handle therapy and I highly recommend it. I have recommended them to other people. I know that therapy can be awful expensive. And uh, John Brown is is standing in the breach here. I think the most that they charge is like 50 bucks, isn't it? Yeah, on a sliding scale, that's the top end. That's amazing. I mean, that really is, uh, there's, you can go to some places and you're talking 125, $150 an hour or a half hour, in fact. So you all do a very important thing. Before before I get into talking to you, I'm going to talk about sexual addiction. I We were going to do this last month, and we crossed our wires, and this time we got them right, so we're going to take up this topic. But before we do that, here, ever since February 14th in the shooting at Parkland in Florida, people have been saying, we got to get guns away from people that are mentally ill. Problem with saying it that way is that you kind of ostracize everybody that has some kind of difficulty. And uh, I think people have to be a whole lot more specific with this.
18: Would you agree? You know, the whole concept of what is a mental illness and what isn't. uh, In fact, that's going to come into our discussion on the topic that that we've outlined to talk about. Okay. Today. So, what is a mental illness and what isn't? Who gets to define that? And then, how do we uh, remove the stigma surrounding those labels? If we want to call it that as a label, uh, yeah, it's a very difficult question. Well, you know, you're
2: going to make up. Somebody's going to make the decision that if you do X, Y, or Z, you can't have a gun. That's a, that's that's a guaranteed right by the constitution. So, you know, I want to know the specifics of it before I look, just say willy nilly. Yeah. If you've got a mental illness, you don't get to do a gun that that's dangerous precedent there.
18: Currently the the quote unquote mental health Bible in our country and a lot of countries is the DSM five, which stands for the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders. If you break down to the core of what that book is, and it's very useful in a lot of circumstances, but even what it says it is, is a description of behaviors based on degree and duration of that behavior. Okay. So, as I tell my students in our graduate program all the time, um, I think almost all everyone in the population is diagnosable by that book if you look at the right snapshot of behaviors and how... Uh, extreme or or uh, difficult they may, be, they may be at that moment. So um, everyone feels sad, but not everybody is depressed. Though I may go through a clinical depression at one point in my life, but does that mean I should have that label to follow me as a mental disorder for the rest of my life? That's a know, difficult. Some people issue. get angry,
2: but that doesn't mean they're going to pick up a gun and go
18: kill people. Yeah, intermittent explosive disorder is one of the disorders in the DSM or the diagnostic uh, categories. Um, but someone that gets angry and, you know, yells at their dog or at a coworker, for that matter, doesn't necessarily mean they fit the criteria of intermittent explosive disorder mm-hmm. nor would they necessarily be seen as a risk to others.
2: Yeah, so I think that part of it, because I... Was, we we played a little bit of the White House discussion that was going on today about uh, firearms. And I, I just heard people make willy-nilly statements, and I was thinking to myself, wow, you got awful broad brushes that you're trying to paint with, and you don't need a broad brush. What you need is a very, very specific brush. You need to figure out what it is that you're trying to stop and who are the people that you're worried about? Evidently they weren't worried about this kid because the cops went and visited him 38 times
18: and nobody yeah. did anything. Well, I, I agree with you that over generalizations are rarely very helpful.
2: Yeah. Neither is trying to make a, make important decisions when you're very, very emotional, mm-hmm. wrong time to do it. You know, you got to let the you got to get back to talking about specifics, talking logically about this stuff, you know, and and that's what we're not doing. I said today I was kind of just knocking around and and being facetious about it, but watching these kids doing some of the things that they're doing makes me want them to raise the voting age back to twenty-one. I mean, sir, I mean, I was the first generation at my age to be an eighteen-year-old and vote. And I'm going to tell you what a lot of the kids I went to school with, you know,
18: that's like giving, that's kind of like the, giving them a loaded gun, so to speak. I saw, I heard a, a report just the other day that said if you look at behaviors, just behaviors, uh, and you took chronological age out of it and you just categorized behaviors of kids growing up today, um, you would most people would probably conclude that adulthood doesn't start till around 24.
2: Yeah, that's crazy.
18: No, it's not the legal age and you're right. talking about the legal age, yeah. but you're talking about behaviors, things you and I did at 18 Yeah, and that would, we would consider average and what was expected of us. Those same expectations aren't They're six or seven years later now before a lot of kids today.
2: And then for us, roll it back even further, uh, with the world war two generation
18: and they were a lot younger. I mean, 14, 15 mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. You know, this whole thing called adolescence really wasn't around there. You know, because by by your teenage years in that era, you're participating in farm life, you're mentoring on a job site, apprenticing, mm-hmm. you're learning how to support yourself.
2: It's really important. That, that's something we should sit down and do a a, a day. Yeah. On. What is adulting yeah. these days? Yeah. Let's we'll talk about that. But i I came up with the whole thing about sexual addiction because uh, we've had the whole hashtag Me Too thing that's going on. We got somebody like uh Weinstein who evidently had some kind of serious, serious problem. Here you go. I'll put it up. Let's see if we can get it. I saw you got let's a camera it. we can there let's you see, go. Go to my camera there. There you go. Mr. Weinstein, he's right on the front of Time magazine there. But he's he's got serious problems. Uh so did Wiener. He had serious problems. So what I'll just ask you to start off by giving us uh, the right definition that we should work off of.
18: And that is a big question. I think a bigger question than a lot of people um, realize. So uh, we kind of have to first look at a definition of addiction okay, in general, because the big question about sexual behavior and addiction is, can you put those words together? All right. You know, is, is it just bad behavior, misbehavior, habits, patterns, obsession, compulsion, or is it addiction?
2: Okay. So I've heard various people talk on this, and there's a lot of people who are in the mental health community that says there's nothing, there's no such thing as sexual addiction. It doesn't meet the criteria. So I'll just let you, first of all, do you think there's an addiction with in sexual addiction? Or do you think that it's not, and we need to call it something else?
18: I think it's important to think about two different, there's two two elements to look at here. One is those that tend to critique uh, the against sexual addiction definition tend to compare it to things like uh, crack cocaine, heroin, alcohol, uh, substances. And there's no question, uh, there's no one debating anymore that substances, that you can get addicted to substances. Correct. Uh, that actually was a debate <laughs> back uh, maybe a hundred years ago, but but now there's plenty of scientific and and other evidence that says yeah you can get addicted to a substance. Um, I get addict. I was a, probably say I was addicted to Diet Coke at one point. You know, I, I you, your body just acclimates to things and it feels like it's supposed to have them. M and M's. M and M's for you.
2: Yeah, and uh, divided into colors. Uh, what, what's your most dangerous color? Uh, red. <laughs> yeah, the good just old saying. red. Of course, if I was a woman, it would be green because green M&Ms mean pregnancy.
18: Well, I'm learning a lot here, Dave. I really appreciate the education. This is why the doc comes on my show. i got to learn these things because I just missed all that. All right. So I'll
2: let you pick up again. I'm, I'm just being facetious and i got to keep a quick cat chasing rabbits. Go ahead.
18: That's all right. That's all right. Uh, so, there's no question that, that substances are addictive. That's where we got off on that. The question in the clinical community and the general the general population question is, can behaviors be, addic- be okay. addictions? Um, and there's lots of behaviors that a lot of people do repetitively. Maybe you could even say compulsively. I think you could even say to their own detriment. So even in the face of adverse consequences, when they could tell you, nothing good is there's nothing good about this, but I do it anyway
2: however is that is that because they have an underlying mental disorder I mean somebody who's a narcissistic person and a psychopath does what he's doing because he's got something mentally going haywire mm-hmm. i mean is that what we're talking about, or are we just talking about i've got and even if I say, "Well, I, I want to wash my hands all the time," you're OCD,
18: okay? I mean, just yeah, the, what I'm there, saying. And, and there's no question that that some behaviors have uh, beginning points like that. However, um, there's also other behaviors that you can't point to a diagnosable mental disorder okay. like that. All right, that are maybe we would start out just calling them uh, bad choices. We might start out calling them um, lapse of judgment. Or that's just how things are. Mm-hmm. And that's what... But at some point, the question becomes, when something becomes um, what might otherwise have been a momentary, but, but becomes habitual, becomes damaging, becomes to the point where I'm risking losing everything. Like Weinstein? Like a lot of people. Okay. Like a lot of people. So, um... For instance, there's, in our practice at the care clinic, myself, Dr. Phillips, others there, um, and practitioners that I know around the state, uh, we have been working with men and women that have been um, so uh, involved in unhealthy sexual behaviors that they're risking losing everything. Mm-hmm. Not just their marriage, but their careers, their um their financial resources
2: their self-esteem
18: yeah oh that that's been gone a long time ago okay at least privately okay. no, maybe not publicly right yeah but privately it's been gone a long time and these are people that are very very successful these are um people that you and i know uh these are pastors from area churches doctors in local hospitals lawyers in local practices business owners um men and women men and women yeah about 75% men about 25% female um and so if you looked at every other aspect of their life so to speak you wouldn't say oh well, there's somebody with a mental disorder actually you'd say there's somebody very very successful that a lot of people are trying to emulate in a lot of ways and so it, it really reaches across so many populations and spectrums just and so there's some parallels that honestly to just between me and you and i guess everyone that's listening
2: in the nearest fence post <laughs> in
18: the nearest fence post <laughs> um it doesn't really bother me which side of that de- of the definition war you land on calling it an addiction or calling it a, a a bad habit that just got out of control whatever
2: yeah it's destroying somebody's life
18: there are there are lives that are at risk and there are careers businesses occupations families children there's so much on the line with what's happening that I don't care what you call it. I just think that if you have the opportunity, take the opportunity to get help. All right,
2: let's take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk to Dr. Barry Wingfield some more. If you got questions about this, eight, two, three, zero, nine, six, five, eight, two, three, zero, nine, six, five. Dr. Wingfield will be on with me the last week of every month on Wednesday at five o'clock and every month we'll take up a different topic. Uh, usually we'll be looking for what's in the news or whatever, because that will be on everybody's mind and we'll talk about it. Let me give you a number that you should have written down somewhere. 982-7451. 982-7451. That is the number for Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice. For recycled auto parts, you know, it's not necessary. If if you got a car that's got like me, three hundred thousand miles on it, you may not want to go out and buy a brand new EOM part. You know, one that is new, never been on a car or whatever. Uh, I don't do that anymore. I I call Sonny's like when I had my two thousand nine Corolla, and it needed a uh, a transmission. I called and I asked uh, R D there if he could get one, he says, uh, give me a moment. And he went on his computer and he says, yeah, there's one, take a couple of days to get it. And then, uh what do you want to do? Davis, about doing it. And I said, well, I got a, a mechanic he says, well, you know, I've got mechanics here that'll do it for you. And then I said, well, what, what's the uh, warranty on? He says, uh, three years, parts and labor and unlimited mileage. That's the unlimited mileage. That's all he had to say. Cause I had the three years uh, on their parts and labor. But I had 36,000 miles, uh, with this one place. And now I'm being told unlimited miles. And that's really important to me because I can knock off 36,000 miles in one year. So we went ahead and went with uh, Sunny's Sunday's auto Salvage. The car runs. Absolutely perfect. There people put it in Their People, uh, returned it to me and it's running just like a top. Sonny's Auto Salvage uh, recycles uh, because it provides jobs and contributes to the economy. It's done without government funding. They do it because the business makes money. They invest to find more efficient ways to reduce, reuse, and recycle. So call Sonny's Auto Salvage. Save yourself some money, about 50% that you'll save just on the part alone. 982 Five, one. All right. Uh, if you have questions as we're talking, 823 0965. Before I get back to Dr. Wingfield, let me remind you about Safari Pets 808 West Main in Cabot. It is the largest independent pet store in the state, and it is in Cabot, Arkansas. Uh, they got pets, uh, you know, whether it's just a regular dog or cat. Or if you got something that's exotic, like a hedgehog or a snake or a tarantula, uh, which they have as well, they offer everything you need for taking care of your pet and your pets, as well as they've got information. One of the big problems with the big box stores, they've got somebody behind the register, but very few people on the floor to answer questions you might have about, you know, what's the best uh, crate to put my dog in while I'm, at work and he's not housebroken yet. They can help you with that at Safari Pets, as well as if you got a bearded lizard, you know, what are some things that you really need to know before you buy a bearded lizard? They'll help you with that as well. A date to circle on your calendar, April 14th. That's when the big annual anniversary sales event happens where they have lots and lots and lots of sales and discounts. I've, I've seen them have like 50 and 60% off of uh, aquarium setups, 50-gallon, 75-gallon aquarium setups, uh, especially uh, that's a great deal for you if you want to do saltwater fish. That's Safari Pets, 808 West Main in Cabot, excuse me, 501-628-0067 on the internet, safari-pet.com. Back with uh, Dr. Barry Wingfield, if you just tuned in. Uh, he's with John Brown University. Uh, they have a special therapy department, and they take good care of, of uh, giving people uh, quality therapy at a, a, a really great, great price. And we're going to take Fox News, and then we're going to come back and talk further with him. Today, the main topic that we've been talking about is sexual addiction, what exactly is it? Does it really exist? We'll talk more about that when we come back. If you have a question, eight two Let's get to Fox News. Back with you, final half hour with Dr. Barry uh, Wingfield from over at John Brown University, Eight two three zero nine six five. If you got a question outside the topic we're talking about, that's fine. Uh, just give a call and you can talk to Dr. Uh, Wingfield. He'll be uh, uh, happy to talk to you about the question that you might have. We're talking about sexual addiction today. We had set up for this uh, last uh, month, and we got our wires crossed, or I did maybe. I guess it was the way it would happen. But the bottom line, the whole Weinstein and Me Too and all the rest of that was was coming, uh, coming out at the time. And it just seemed to me that Weinstein had really, really huge problems, not only about sex, but about power. This guy was a power broker and uh, and and was power hungry. And he used his authority as a movie producer uh, to come on to all these women and whatnot. That in and of itself is probably some kind of a mental schism that, that he had. If someone came to you, doctor, and, and sat down and said, man, my life is out of control. You know, I can't look at a woman and not think she wants me. What, I mean, that, with that start, what are some questions you're going to ask that person?
18: You know, that um, how that gets started looks different for every person, number one. So there's not just one path into sexual addiction. Okay. So one of the misconceptions is, well, um, we'll just look for the Weinsteins out there and we'll just categorize all them and we'll just, but the reality is um, people get, get stuck in destructive sexual patterns from all walks of life and that can come from anywhere. So there's not necessarily a litmus test checkbox. However, there are some questions and categories that help us figure out how much of a problem this is. And how much of life has this really taken over? So, again, we talked about in the first hour, the kind of the difference between um, mistakes, bad choices, um, you know, we're all fallible people, Mm -hmm. versus getting into a pattern that's destroying myself and potentially everybody around me. Um, So one of the things that we begin to ask for is, is this behavior describing, um, is it something you don't want to do? Is this, uh, something that is, you feel like is causing you, um, not just problems, but when you try to stop it, everything you try to put into place to keep it from happening fails. Mm -hmm. So is it, does it have a sense of being out of control?
2: Okay. I mean, there's probably a million different reasons why somebody would end up where they end up at. Yeah. And, And it's a million different, uh, It
18: is. You know, it's different for everybody. And it looks different. But you said something a minute ago, and I will come back to this, that some of the latest uh, research out there is showing that of those that identify with the categories of behaviors that we're calling, again, regardless of what you want to call it, sex addiction or compulsive sexual behavior, whatever. Somewhere in the mid 90 percent as a child suffered some form of severe emotional, physical or sexual abuse themselves.
11: Really?
2: Okay. I I had read an article that there's a lot of people that have this problem because perhaps in junior high or high school, they didn't feel like the opposite sex paid any attention to them. They grew up and maybe, you know, better looks, put on some pounds, put on some muscle. Now the, you know, the women are kind of paying more attention or the guys are paying more attention. And this is, your way of getting back at what you thought was mistreatment when you were younger.
18: I'm not going to say that that might not be a piece of someone that finds himself caught in there. I think it would be probably um, overstating it to say that that's the case every time. Okay. Okay. No,
2: I'm not saying every time I'm just saying some people, that's how they find themselves in this position. They know they actually can wield some power now, And they don't feel powerless. Yeah,
18: yeah. From that perspective, I I see exactly what you're saying. And there's no, um, there's not a lot of debate that these behaviors can begin from that an early experience that was traumatic at some point, damaging and traumatic. That that powerless feeling. And I want to fix that. I want to not feel that anymore. Right. And so I'm going to explore. I might use sometimes it is substances Mm -hmm. because I get a physical euphoric high. Correct. I feel like I'm dominant, I'm in control. If I'm taking a certain substance and I feel strong and masculine or feminine, whatever it is. Um, But there's also behaviors that can create that similar or parallel sense that if I can be seen this way, somehow as um, that seems to fix that, that part of me that got damaged.
2: You know, it just seems to me there's got to be somewhere somehow that somebody felt that they weren't worth, you know, their, their self-worth was destroyed somehow.
18: Yeah. And what, what we're learning more and more about is the role of shame in the addiction cycle. So at some point, whether it was emotional, physical or relational injury, traumatic experience that. I was the victim of, or who got drawn into whatever the case may be. Somehow when I internalize that and I start looking at myself as if I'm to blame for what happened. And that's that shame piece that begins a part of that shame feels so self destructive. And it feels like I, I can't live with looking at myself in the mirror with that. Mm-hmm. And I want out of that view. So I'm, I'm going to search for typically, If I don't find healing with that, then I search for a way to cover that up with a different feeling, with some kind of masking feeling. And then I go from that, so the cycle keeps going, from I just want to cover up something I don't want to feel into, wow, that was easier to feel that way than I thought. I'll just do that again every time a feeling I don't like comes up. And then I escalate to a point where I'm starting to act out and and, destroy relationships and risk jobs and investments and i'm just risking everything most folks then come to a point where they go oh, i can't do that anymore so they kind of just to use the addiction language sober up for a bit okay but before sobriety kicks in most of, most of us in an addictive pattern go through that cycle of sober i i'm sober i don't that looked awful what i was doing i don't want to do that anymore but guess what I'm left with when I'm sober is the shame that started the whole process. And I keep looking back in that same mirror and go, Oh no,
2: I can't do that. And so you start the process all over again. So when you're working with a person with this problem, you've got to find that area that kicked all of this off. And that is gotta be really difficult because the person's gotta be, has got to number one want, to right. find
18: the cure, so to speak. And that can be incredibly painful. Extremely painful. It might be something I've covered up for decades, years at least, most of the time decades. And Here's where the addiction becomes its own its own thing. While it started with this, now it's its own self-sustaining uh, thing. And so the first um, attack, if you want to call it that, is to attack the addiction behaviors because we have to, Get and maintain some level of sobriety, or we can't even access the things that kicked it all off. Hmm. So we have to look for sobriety, and most uh, most people are familiar with the twelve step approach, and even the Christian version of that. The Celebrate Recovery uh, ministries that are in a lot of churches now, um, which is another maybe a whole other topic one day. But it um, it's encouraging to me to see a lot of different churches now stepping into that battle. And saying, "Yeah, there, there's maybe some sin behaviors, but that doesn't mean we're not going to provide help and resources." Well, yeah,
2: I, I will probably come back and I'll bring this up in the last segment because John Brown University is a faith-based university. That's right. And I I know that the only way to truly uh, heal somebody is through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Yeah. The way it's going to happen.
18: Yeah, and we would might even say that's beyond our human yeah, ability I can't do to that. do. Uh, that's between all of us as individuals and And the creator and the creator, but it doesn't mean that we can't find helpful ways to come alongside someone and say, listen, I know you're in a lonely, broken place. I know you think that you're not worthy of anybody's love or attention. I know you think that, that you, if anyone knew what was really going on with you, they would never look or speak to you again and you would be isolated or it feels like you're going to die. And what we're saying at the care clinic at jbu and what others that are doing celebrate recovery and other recovery ministries is saying you know what we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of god there's we, none of everybody. us
2: everybody
18: We none of us have earned our way into any kind of right, no. right relationship with god so how about you let us just come alongside you and let you know beyond first of all beyond a shadow of a doubt you are not alone
2: you're worthy You have worth. I mean,
18: look, every person has worth to God. That's right. So they should have worth to us. Yeah, but the addiction and the shame cycle covers that where I can't see that in myself very well. Yeah. And I just start believing that I don't have any worth left. So how do I cover up that sense I use again or I act out again because I get that kind of false, very thin, but momentary relief because it looks like I'm feel good or i'm powerful or whatever that piece is filling for me what's
2: your drug i mean that's basically what we're saying what's your drug is sex your drug is cocaine your drug is uh fentanyl your drug what's your drug something you're using like this to yeah. get rid of the pain for so some you people don't have how to much money things stuff in a bank
18: account that's that exactly they never right never intend to spend
2: absolutely all right we'll come back we'll finish up our discussion good discussion today Dr. Barry Wingfield from John Brown University. Don't forget about my friend, uh, Earl, who has, of course, uh, the folks over at uh, a plumbing company that can really, really help you uh, get the kind of job that you want done and get it done exactly the way you want it done because he's got the people working for him that are professionals. He's got the service that he has that are professional. I had had a guy send a letter uh, to Earl that I saw the other day. He showed me the letter about how uh, the folks had taken care of his problems uh, that he needed fixed and did it in such a way they they called him to let him know they were going to make their appointment exactly on time. They looked at the problem they, that he had. They identified that problem. They fixed the problem. They uh, charged him what he thought was a fair price. And, uh, you know, they did a great job for him, an absolutely great job. And, of course, I'm talking about aero plumbing. I mean, I've used aero plumbing many, many times. It, it's my hope that talking about other people and what they've gotten through aero plumbing, you'll use them as well. Best way to find them, just go to aeroplumbing, aeroplumbing.net or just Google Aeroplumbing. You find all of the information you need to contact them. But use them and know that they will fix your problem and they will treat you with the highest respect uh, possible. That's Aero Plumbing. I want to remind you about uh, Lewis Family Beef. They own their farm out in Greenbrier, their cattle are born on their ranch. Their cattle are raised on their ranch. Their cattle are sent to the packing house from their ranch. Uh, they don't use any antibiotics. Uh, if they they do, let me rephrase that. They use antibiotics if they've got a sick cow, but they don't sell it for food. They would never sell you uh, beef that had been treated with antibiotics, nor will they uh, sell you beef uh, that they've injected additional hormones than the natural hormones that the cow uh, produces. They sell a quarter, a half, or a whole cow. They will deliver it free anywhere in central Arkansas. Now, the packing house calls you, uh, depending on how big of the order it is, they'll call you, ask you uh, how you want the uh, uh, cow prepared, how you want it cut, And then they'll call the Lewis family uh, uh, beef folks when it's ready. And then they'll deliver it to your home absolutely free. The cattle are raised stress-free. They're out uh, grazing, things of that nature. If you know anything about cortisol, things of that nature, you know that when that's dumped into your bloodstream, it it makes uh, the meat not as tender as it is when it's not present. Uh, when I go deer hunting, I watch the deer through the scope and I don't shoot until they're like really relaxed. That's when I'll try to get the kill shot in and it and uh, it kills them before the cortisol is uh, let go in the body. You need to call Cody or Sarah Lewis at 501-514-1494. 501-514-1494. And they'll walk you through this whole process. Here's what I do know. I've eaten tomahawk steaks. I've eaten uh some uh, ribeyes and I've eaten uh their ground beef and their uh, roast And it tastes better than anything I've ever bought at a big box store. You can get that too. Uh you can find them on Facebook as well, facebook.com, Lewis Family Beef. Call them. I mean, people are getting back, you're getting back your uh Uh, money from the IRS, uh, make a good buy, pay less for your beef, uh, and have it taste even better by calling Lewis Family Beef. That number again, 501-514-1494. All right, back uh, for the last five minutes, about three minutes, four minutes here with Dr. Barry Wingfield. We've covered a lot of territory today dealing with sexual addiction. Uh, doc, for the people who are listening and they've been struggling with this, it, it's wrecked havoc in their lives. It's wrecked havoc in their, uh, relationships with other people. Um, uh, where do they call? How they, can they get in and, and, uh, and talk to somebody? And by the way, if your person doesn't make a lot of money, they can work with you because they'll charge you a very, very low fee. They got a revolving fee depending on how much you make. The highest amount is a fifty dollars charge. So I'll turn it back over to Doctor Wingfield. And let you get and let him give you the rest of this information.
18: Thanks, Dave. You know, um, if this topic has started creating social, recreational, um, uh, spiritual, mental uh, trouble, I mean, if it's starting to really interfere with your life, it's time to get help. And I know if someone listening out there may that's caught up in this is thinking more than likely I have to hide this at all costs. And what I want to say to that person is if you continue to hide it at all costs, it will eventually cost you everything. And what I want you to consider thinking is seeking sobriety at all costs. And that it may cost you some short term things, but the great news is you can get everything you've ever lost due to this back and more. So as far as getting help goes, let me just give out a couple of places. As you've said, you can, they can contact our care clinic, jbu.edu slash care clinic, or call us 219 If you want to start. I'm
2: ask you to go back and say that again a lot slower. Okay, I'll go do ahead.
18: that. <laughs> Don't let me forget. All right. But if you want to start doing some research for yourself, for a family member, a loved one, whatever, there's a few websites that you can go to to just start this okay. ball rolling. Okay. Uh, sexhelp.com started by uh, Dr. Patrick Carnes and he's one of the leading experts in the country on this and he's got some great screening tools there go you know what I just want to delve into this a little bit more and find out is this something I need to be worried about it's not a full diagnostic thing but it's at least a screening thing that I can check a few boxes and and get an indication of hey I need to I need to look at this. Maybe I need to look deeper. I need to this. look deeper. Yeah. Uh, Mark Lacer at faithfulandtrue.com is a Christian who's taken Carn's work and really put it in the faith community well. And he's written a lot of great stuff. And he's got some of those similar things as well. Um, we've mentioned Celebrate Recovery before. CelebrateRecovery.com will list any uh, any addiction Christian addiction recovery group meeting in Arkansas. No matter where you are listening to this, there's probably a Celebrate Recovery within a 45-minute drive mm-hmm. at this point. And there's people there that are struggling with this issue and they will walk alongside with you and say, Hey, because we know one thing, if you, if you keep denying this is a problem, it's going to be a bigger problem tomorrow.
2: All right. I need a contact place for people to call
18: 501-219-9245.
2: Yeah. Don't wait. Call right now. There's somebody there to answer the phone. They'll take care of you.
18: Doc, thanks for coming in.
2: We look forward to having you on next month and we'll talk and see what kind of
18: Subject we want to take up next time. I bet there'll be something to talk about. I
2: bet you there will be too. All
18: right. Tomorrow,
2: CPAC part two lots of interviews for you about what went on at CPAC. And then on Friday, from Sight and Sound in Branson, I'll be there and talk about their new production, Samson. That's all coming your way here in the next two days. I'm Dave Ellswick. I'll see you tomorrow.
1: The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home assisted living and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501 400 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's.